So what are we going to call this thing? Ah, I got it. Okay. Incredible. New. Fantastic. Astonishing. Mighty. Original. Uncanny. Sensational podcast. I'm just going to put down infamous. Welcome to the Infamous Audio Podcast. My name is Brandon, or Mutilus on the forums. And this is Parker. Go by those tweak in those forums. This is Jeremy. I'm still refusing to go near the forums. That's probably a good choice. I don't know if you've been paying attention to our Discord, but uh, some of the questions in the rules forum are not, uh, let's just say, worth asking. But, <laughs> you know, clearly there's some new players that are trying to get tips, so it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, um, welcome back, and uh, we've got a little bit of news this week, but uh, not a crazy amount, just some some little stuff that's come up. So moving into the news section. News, 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 news. All right, so news was a trickle this week because, you know, we've got a bunch of models that we knew were coming out, and they're just kind of hitting the shelves, but X-Men are coming out this week. We're pumped for that. Um a big pretty big wave, right? How many boxes? Is it four boxes at the same time? four boxes. Yeah, a lot of characters. Which too. it's it's not unprecedented to have four boxes come out in a cycle, but it's pretty rare for it to be all of them be double character boxes. This this is the first time we've had eight characters drop at once. Yeah. I really I I'm excited to see what's gonna to happen to, you know, metagame when they got so many characters dropping at the same time. Also, with so many characters dropping at the same time, we might see some faction affiliation lists. Uh, change up as well, so we, look out. We'll, we'll look out for that to find out if there's something else for next week's news. But uh, because uh, they're almost out, and we had some people that were able to open up boxes, uh, we were able to finally see uh, the Crisis cards that come in the mutant boxes. So we get uh, two new Crisis, um, a sec- one Secure and one um, uh, Extract. The Secure, extract. yeah, the Secure mission looks to be uh, the Oh, man, this is so tiny. Here, I'll read uh, them for you. So yeah, the secure, the secure is mission, Yeah, yeah, the secure mission is called "Mutant Madman Turns City Center into Lethal Amusement Park," which is just a great title. Mm-hmm. So you get uh, so four the traps. Mission, yeah, yeah, I'll run through it for you. So Go the mission it. setup is four traps. Uh, they are all target of opportunity on deployment B. Um, you interact with the traps. You roll dice equal to your character's physical defense, which is the first mission, I believe, that references that. Previously, it's been uh, roll your energy defense, which we'll cover later. Um, and if you get a crit, wild, or hit, anything that would basically cause damage, uh, equal to or excuse me, higher than the number of healthy contesting enemy characters. So higher than that number, which is hopefully going to be zero most of the time. The interacting character uh, takes control of the trap. During the cleanup phase, each player controlling a trap chooses an enemy character within range two of the trap. They suffer a damage and gain a power. And then for each one you control, you score one victory point in the cleanup phase. So uh, at face value, it seems a lot like the Fisk mission, the the Fisk Intimidates Witnesses, um, where they get to place and then do damage to everyone around them. Uh, It's another secure mission that you take control of and then you're allowed to leave later. So that's good for the people that want to play those missions. Mm-hmm. And it's another 18 point mission We don't have a lot of those But it's growing quickly I do like the idea that if they get close enough to use it Then you can you know, do a damage back to them I think it's cool 
I'm just checking what the quantity of 18 point missions is right now. It looks like currently we only have two, so this will be the third one. All right. Did so, you want to move on to the next one? Yeah, so the next one was a uh, uh, 14 pointer. I actually got it big enough now, I can see it. Um, the It's an extraction. Uh, mutant extremists target U.S. senators, because they happen to do that a whole bunch. Um, if you've if you've read, ever read an X Men comic, their fa- Magneto's favorite target is Washington D.C. Uh, it almost the the fight almost always happens there, which I think is is you gotta uh, go to the source. Yeah, <laughs> the source of of the evil apparently. Um, so, or according according to Magneto anyway, setup says uh, it's three safe houses, uh, target of the opportunity uh, on map C, and uh, you interact with a safe house to flip it over to find out if it's empty or not. So the token's just a fifty fifty. Uh, wait, it's not a 50-50 shot. So it's, one in three. Yeah, one in three. So it's a 30% chance when you flip one over. Uh, but once you flip it over, you know they're not there, and it's in one of the other safe houses. Uh, once it becomes um, flipped over and it's the senator, then it's now a civilian token, and players score two VPs if they control it. So uh, the, uh, it does affect your speed. If you have the senator, you become speed short, and you roll one less dice on defense and dodge rolls. So you become... Easier to hurt as you're trying to defend the senator with your life. Basically, you get basically you get incinerated. Yeah. Biggest thing, uh, fourteen pointer. It is a fourteen point mission. That is small. That is weak. Someone said on uh, Facebook that it was. Uh, hold on, let me double check. Because Magneto is six, Mystique is three, so that's nine. Saber put tooth is put you to thirteen. Toad is fifteen. Yeah. So it's. The faction that comes with 15 points worth of characters conveniently has a 14-point mission. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I thought that was funny, but obviously it's not only to play with that faction. Right. It was funny. So uh, with 14 points, is it like, is it, if you get four characters in a 14-point mission, do you just feel like you're going to win? Like, is that, I haven't. I mean, it's not hard to get 14 points or four characters, fourteen points. Uh-huh. Like, let's see. Uh, so even if you take the average character being, it's two fours and two threes. Like, that's not mm-hmm. that hard to do. Four threes and a two. Like, that's actually fairly easy. It's just once you start taking characters above four points, then it starts getting hard. Yeah. Like, obviously, if you're squeezing Thanos into that fourteen, it's going to be a little rough. But <laughs> ah, Thanos, two stones, and Black Widow. Let's Than- go. Thanos in the mall. What could go wrong? <laughs> if you're playing uh, Guardians, you can actually do it pretty easy and probably have five characters. Yeah. Yeah. Because let's see, uh, Quill puts you to 11, Rocket Group puts you to six, and then you can still take Drax and pick a three-pointer. That's five characters. Yeah. Drax and Hawkeye, maybe. Which, that would be brutal. That would be very scary and hard to deal with. Yeah. And that's why I say, like, what I said before that I'm always worried about, like, too many good three-point characters just makes it to where mm-hmm. spamming the most efficient characters is just the best way to go. Mm-hmm. Especially but, if um, you happen to put them all in the same faction. Or several. I don't know if we talked about this last time, because I don't think we'd actually physically seen cards yet with last time we talked. Um, but they, like I speculated, they might. They do have the X-Men logo at the bottom, not the Spider-Man logo. So this is showing that they're moving into the second phase of releases. So if we start doing um, restricted events, you'll have to pick X-Men era or the spider symbol era for what's allowed to be played. But obviously the open format, which is the standard, is still anything goes, other than obviously banned cards. 
right. Other news. Uh, we got to see into Wolverine's box, so we got uh, his two uh, uh, um, uh, tactics cards. Uh, first one is a Weapon X program. Was a Wolverine or Sabretooth can spend three. Uh, he immediately gets a short throw. Uh, so they throw themselves. They do not suffer damage. They collide. So it's a short-range pounce um, for yeah, it's Wolverine pounce. or Sabretooth. But it costs three, so it's a little bit expensive. Uh, I saw this one and I was a little bit underwhelmed. Costing three and a crisis card seems like a pretty steep points for that maybe i'm crazy because wolverine really wants to be in the fight that bad but well it just think about like comparing it to climbing gear it gives you the move that climbing gear does but potentially does damage as well yeah and i believe that wolverine counts as size three for being thrown right because he's heavy frame Ooh, that is a good point i did not look i have not seen his looked at his card that hard does he have uh, something for that that's cool i don't have it in front of me Oh, now I got it. Now I gotta know because if that's happening, I'm putting this in a list because he is size three, but not being size three. That's funny. Let me <laughs> strong. Wait, are you, are you just looking at MCP database or no? I'm looking at the card. Uh, when determining if this character can be thrown or pushed, an effect special or blah 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 uh, counts as size three. Yeah. Cool. So, so yeah, he... he's throw. He's making you uh, dodge four, which is cute. That's tight. Does it say for throws, or does it just say can be pushed? When determine if this character can be thrown or pushed by an effect or special rule, oh. or when colliding with another character or Got terrain feature. Ah, yeah, it, it was designed for that. Yeah. There you go. That's cute. You got a, you got the cannonball special by himself, and it actually works better because he is heavy. Or That's Sabretooth. awesome. Sabretooth has heavy as well, or no? Probably not, mm, right? Probably not, because he's, he's nope. He doesn't. He doesn't have adamantium bones. No, that's a that's true. He's Wolverine light. I will say I was surprised we didn't get a fastball special card because I went back and watched uh, the cartoon. Beast is the guy that throws him for fastball special. It's Cyclops that throws him in the movies. Uh-huh. And so I was surprised we didn't get that card. And that made me sad, but I'll get over it. So yeah. that's Weapon X program. When you said Cyclops throws him, you mean Colossus throws him? Colossus. I said the wrong name. Yeah, that's okay. my bad. I was <laughs> like Cyclops. And I was trying to imagine it in yeah. my head, how that worked. <laughs> <laughs> he just got like, him by the britches. <laughs> fucking He summers. says, I don't trust you as far everything. as I can throw you. And then he literally can't throw him. And he's like, oh. Uh. <laughs> uh our second card from Wolverine uh, box, uh, when an allied character with a healing... Oh, sorry, the name of it's Exceptional Healing. <laughs> exceptional Healing. <laughs> when the allied character with the healing factor superpower would be damaged by an enemy effect, it may spend three to play this card, reduce the amount of damage suffered to one. Um, when I saw this so card, I was verbatim, super pumped. It's verbatim Odin's Blessing, except... You don't have to be Asgardian, and it doesn't have to be the Asgard faction. So it's yeah. unaffiliated, and it's on any character with the uh, f- healing factor ability, which we're assuming that if Deadpool co- eventually comes out, he'll also have. And there could be other characters as well that have that. I'm yeah. kind of wishing that we went back and retconned um, Nebula to have it, because she heals one at the end of her activation, right? Yes, she does. Why isn't she a healing factor? She's a bionic, I guess. It's not healing, it's repair I don't know. but what i so maybe that was intentional but yeah. define healing factor real quick it's a keyword what does it mean I, I don't remember what it means 
Uh, at the end of your activation, you heal an amount of damage equal to your healing factor number. Okay, so it is what uh, it sounds like. Okay. Yeah. It's at the, it's at the end? Read the read the Wolverine card. Okay, because Nebulous is at the beginning. Yeah, it's at the end. Okay, well, that's probably the difference then. Because yeah. uh, he also wants to be damaged when he attacks, because on the backside, he does more damage when he's got damage. Right. Kind of like uh, Drax does. Yeah, I'm just I'm double checking. Uh, now that it... Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of similarities between Guardians of the Gar- or Guardians of the Galaxy characters and Wolverine now, so I'm wondering if he was a little bit. They were a little bit of a play test for Wolverine. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I really like this card because the point of uh, you know heal over time characters is you have to take them down with overwhelming force, and so this just says yeah. your your one overwhelming force is not going to work if they have if you have two. Yeah, your opponent can still you know get Wolverine, but he's gonna have to have two to get him because he's he's got well, one. Yeah, it's an amazing it's an amazing trap if he's injured yeah. and they spend like their last big attack trying to kill him because then you're like, oh cool, I'll just be at one and then go kill you because I do like infinite damage now. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so cool so cards, cool. cool cards coming from that box. Uh, Finally, the last bit of news, uh, we have the Inhuman models teased. We don't know anything about them quite yet, but we know the four ones are Black Bolt, uh, the leader of the Inhumans, and the King, Medusa, his queen, Crystal, uh, who's a member of the royal family, and Lockjaw, the royal dog. Um, I was actually a little surprised that we didn't see Karnak or Gorgon or uh, any of the other guys, but um, maybe, I, I don't know if they'll ever come out in the future. But, uh, yeah, Inhumans. Definitely riding on the coattails of the television show. Um, they're, you know, they're trying to uh, milk those, you know, multiple uh, properties coming out at the same time. Because in terms of the Marvel Universe, the Inhumans are really a side story in a lot of things. But um, Is but it yeah. Quake in the Inhumans as well? No, Quake is a mutant. She's He's not. actually an X-Force, but there is a guy in the Inhumans that has a similar ability uh, where he stamps, okay. he stomps on the ground and it causes the ground to shake. Um, uh, what is his name? Okay. Uh, Someone was telling me that Quake was one of the Inhumans. Oh, I, yeah. I didn't know if that was true or not. It's it's uh, it's Gorgon. Uh, That's the one I mentioned before, yeah. Okay. Gorgon, Gorgon is the one who can stomp on the ground, and he's a very, very, very common character to see in the Inhumans. Uh, that's why I was expi- I was surprised we didn't see Karnak or Gorgon. Karnak is the Inhuman that has the power to to f- detect weakness in anything, and ex- and then he exploits it with uh, superhuman uh, you know re- uh, reflexes and a little bit of strength. But uh, Gorgon is just a you know a super tough power character, and that's one of the reasons why I kind of expected there to be Gorgon because he would be the tough guy in the faction, you know the one who's got you know more health and bigger damage, but probably less mobility that kind of stuff. So. Well, probably as we're seeing with X-Men, they'll have an initial small release and then trickle in more people as it goes on. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if we end up seeing them eventually. I mean, if they're going to bother putting a faction like the Inhumans in, which is fairly less known, then we're probably going to see at least a moderate amount of releases for them because they're, they're going to spend the time putting them out. They're probably going to try and actually fill it out. Yeah. If we get... If with... Eventually, the as Guardians expands with Enchantress and Angela to very you know, um, two characters that are easy to miss in the pantheon of the Asgardians. Sure. We'll, we'll likely, mean, we'll get Inhumans eventually, some more Inhumans. But. Yeah, it's pretty easy to spend a lot of time absorbing Marvel content without knowing who Angela is. Right. Yep. 
But that's doing it wrong right. because Angela is the best. Is worthless. <laughs> is the opposite of what you mean. Okay. So that was the news. Pretty pretty, uh, pretty slim news, but uh, until, until we get Inhuman cards come out, that's basically it. I'm sure over the next, like, three or four weeks we'll be begging for news as big as this, so it's fine. Because mm-hmm. there's, I don't know if you guys have heard, there's uh, no releases in December, and uh, the Inhumans will be at some point in 2021, which we're assuming will be, like, late first quarter, I think. All right, so moving on to uh, what we've been playing lately. Um, I don't think I talked about this last week, but I've been playing Defenders uh, with Hulk mostly. And I've been, uh, I think I talked about how good Taskmaster was in the list. Yep. And you talked about how poor Hulk got pwned. Yeah, poor Hulk just got eaten. Yeah, Hulk got obliterated. I played a couple more games with the list. Uh, With playing Hulk better, he definitely lives longer than he did that game. Uh, I still think Hulk is unfortunately bad, but uh, it's, uh, I think Hulk is probably best in Cabal because what he wants to do is just leverage unstoppable offensive turns and defenders doesn't really do that. They more just protect him, but he's so big and he's so squishy that he's hard to protect, but he is fun to uh, teleport around the board with the pentagram spell. I I played one of our locals, uh, Dylan, and I, uh, Hulk getting to place like range eight on turn two is just definitely not okay. Cause he's just like teleports behind a building, punches Kingpin in the head until he's dazed. And he's like, next turn, wakes up, kills Kingpin and teleports away. And you're like, cool, I guess. Like Hulk <laughs> appears, takes four actions and leaves before we could really do anything. And then they have to move and then go through the portal to attack him. And then like Dr. Strange is there, to just blow them up. I don't know. It, it was a fun list. Brian, I played a game against Brian, my roommate. He thought it was a pretty good list. Uh, I definitely healed like 13 damage off of Ghost Rider throughout the game. Oh, oh you you played Ghost Rider? Ghost Rider. Without... Yeah, we played 19 points. I played uh, Wong, Strange, Hulk, Ghost Rider, I think was the list. It was mm. actually surprisingly good. I, I was pretty happy with Ghost Rider. Um, the deal with the Devil card never really came up because they weren't able to kill him. And so, like, right. at the point at which he died, it didn't matter. Like, the game was over. So. I've been there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, it was just funny. Like, the, I've been there. They're so hard to kill. All right. Well, that's what I've been playing lately. Parker? Uh, I, I I have not got to play many, uh, any, sorry, I haven't got to play any games since uh, our last cast. But I did sit down to the think tank. Uh, after you... Uh, uh, took a look at the defenders i was staring at the defenders and i was you know looking at ways to uh push ghost rider to the next level i believe he was doing well in guardians but i wanted to know if there was another faction maybe that he'd sit in better and so i read captain america's leadership ability and i asked you a question on discord i was like hey uh captain america's ability says once per turn have you been playing it once per round and you realize that you've been playing Captain America a lot uh, incorrectly. So we were doing it wrong. Captain America can use his power every time somebody attacks him, or rather the first time somebody attacks him within their turn. So they have to attack twice for him to not be able to protect. I would like to say that in my defense, I learn a game a very specific way. I will speed read through the rules and that includes cards and then I'll get them on the table and I'll get in-game experience with them and that's how I think a lot of people learn best and definitely the way I learn best like reading a book is only going to help me so much but then once I've played enough games to feel comfortable with it 
I'll go back and dig through the exact wording of stuff to make sure that I processed it correctly. And with the whole COVID thing shutting down everything for like six months, I'm really out of practice with a lot of things. I haven't really had time to go through and do that process again. So uh, when we first started playing the game, we were all playing this wrong because the whole turn versus round thing coming from other games, it's always been like, well, my turn and then your turn that adds up to a round. And so just like natural instincts, we were, we've been doing all the turn stuff wrong, basically. And so it's good to see that people are starting to catch on and actually get through the rules correctly. But yeah, I haven't really played Avengers since mm-hmm. like, I played a couple games with our podcast list, but that was about it. I haven't played Avengers since like April. Yeah, I haven't. I, I wasn't holding it against you at all because I, when I read I Captain America the first time when I played against you, I was like, this is how Captain America works. Of course, that's how it works. And then after I stared at it, you know, purposely thumbing through every model in the game to see interesting interactions with Ghost Rider, I found that. And so, um, so a good idea maybe was trying uh, Avengers with some effects that happen on your opponent's turn, because then you would get discounts for those as you're using them if you have powers that cost things on your opponent's turn. So they maybe Ghost Rider would be excellent for that. So I, I made up a list and uh, I sent it to you. Like, what do you think? And uh, we had a long conversation about it. Long story short, everybody. Uh, as it turns out, if you make a list with Captain America in it, that is the one character that is never going to attack, <laughs> or you can't plan on attacking very often. And so putting in other supporty or objective-type characters uh, will dilute your list down to almost nothing. So my original version of the list would have Captain America and uh, Two-Point Black Widow on the board at pretty much every time in order to fit Ghost Rider, because he's five points. So basically that was going to be too difficult. Ghost Rider was going to have to carry the whole game on his shoulders. And even though he'd get to do his ability a whole bunch and Cap would be protecting for him, they they seem like great friends. They could shake hands. It'd be awesome. Uh, it might be tough to put a five-point character like that into an Avengers list and not um, dilute your the offensive potential of your list and make everything you know rely on just those two guys, pretty much. So, well, it was an the, interesting thought exercise, that- and, and I appreciated it. Yeah, well, the, specifically the issue I think we actually ran into, and you, you hit it pretty good on the head, but it's that Avengers already massively lack damage, and so if you're putting in characters that aren't designated damage dealers, it makes it really hard on the, the slots you have left in your squad to make up for that lack of damage. Like, Captain America, unless you've already basically won the game, isn't going to be a damage dealer, because he's spending all of his time positioning and spending power to try and keep the rest of your team alive black widow's kind of the same thing her whole job is to go get a scenario piece and hold it or run away with it and so she's not dealing damage she also doesn't really have the ability to and so between those two characters you're six points in and you've got very little damage added and so if you're throwing in any more support characters like all of a sudden like your damage just drops off a cliff because you've only got one maybe two actual damage dealers which is why usually every list i build for avengers has like Thor and someone else in it that can do good damage over time. And then it's just all about Cap keeping them alive long enough to get their damage out there. So real quick, explain what you were talking about, the turn versus round, and exactly the ability you're talking about and how it works. Okay, so Captain America says uh, once per turn when an allied character uses a superpower for the first time, reduce the cost of that power by one to a minimum of one. We had been playing that turn as in the entire game turn. Well, there is no game turn. The turn is the round, 
a turn is one player's opportunity to play cards and activate a character. And then you pass the turn back to your opponent. So each initiative pass between you and your opponent is a turn. And so if you have five characters, unless someone gets dazed, you're going to take five turns throughout the round. And so hypothetically, if you activate Captain America, he moves forward. Then your opponent goes, moves up, attacks someone, he bodyguards. You can bodyguard for one with his discount there. Then you you do something else. Some, your opponent activates another character. They move up and attack again. Captain America can, can again bodyguard for one because it's now a new turn. Because ah. you have activated a new character now. Because each player's basically option to activate a character is a turn. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, so I was so looking that's just, for... Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, that's the terminology difference between this game and a lot of other games. Gotcha. And so uh, when I... When I when I discovered that and we, we we stared at it for a while, we realized that that was the correct wording, that was the correct play of it. Then other characters that have reactive abilities that cost two power, you know, instantly also became more premium in Avengers potentially. So Ghost Rider was the one I was searching for actually uh, for a home for, and he has uh, his reactive power where if you attack somebody else, then he can for two power make you take damage for the number of crits that you rolled. So basically, mm-hmm. if if somebody attacks Ghost Rider and Cap is nearby, Cap will um, protect for one because it's a new turn. Uh, take the hit. Ghost Rider will immediately react, get a power because you attacked somebody else, and then spend only one power to make you take damage for your crits. Um, and he could do yeah. that. And he could do that once every time you activate a character, that combo can go off if Cap is next to Ghost Rider, if you allow it to happen, right? Well, yeah. So the the best part is, like, let's say you like start clean, Ghost Rider zero power, start of a, a round, he powers up for one, your opponent activates a character, they attack someone that isn't Ghost Rider. He gains a power, and then, so he's up to two now, he spends one, they take one damage per critical they rolled. Then they attack that same guy again, their second attack, he gains another power and then spends his two power he has left to make them take the damage for crits rolled again. And so you're doing it every time they attack, basically. Because then you activate Ghost Rider, he attacks somebody, gains power for his attacks, and then he's just going to keep rolling throughout the turn. And so every time they roll dice, basically, they're taking a damage for every crit they roll. And so, it's mostly non-preventable outside of people like Crossbones. So is, is Corvus, like, horrified by Ghost Rider? Um... You know, I haven't actually thought about that exact interaction. Let me find the <laughs> I mean, stone. That, that could be a lot of crits. <laughs> um, well, the wording matters. So yeah. when, when rolling dice, defense rolls, or interact rolls, character treats one skull as a critical. So you treat the skull as a critical. It's not actually a critical. You did not roll a critical. You're just right. treating it as one. Gotcha. Okay. So I don't think... I'm going to read Ghost Rider. Just to double check, Ghost Rider says um, the attacking character suffers one damage for each critical in its attack roll. I would think you wouldn't get it. Yeah, I wouldn't see so either. But I mean, obviously, um, my my favorite is when they roll a critical into a critical because then they're not getting the extra dice for it. Even they're just taking a damage, which is it's terrible. I I think I killed Valkyrie on her injured side only using that ability because she rolled like five crits on her two attacks and just died. And she wasn't even attacking Ghost Rider. She was attacking, like, Doctor Strange, who took, like, two damage, and, like, she just died for it. And, like, cool. Well, it has so to be It has to be somebody else. Die. It can't be Ghost Rider. It doesn't work if you're attacking him. Right, yeah, yeah. And Which is the other reason why I thought Cap would be strong. Three. 
right? It's a range three for all that shit to happen. Yeah, the wording is yeah. uh, when an attack made by a character within three of this character is resolved, yeah. if that attack targeted another character, okay. they use the superpower. So the other thought was Captain but, America I mean, could also you know protect him more often because if you just focus on Ghost Rider, that ability never goes off. But Cap is a protector, so it, it was an idea. But yeah, so you at- you attack Ghost Rider. Cap spends one to redirect the attack to himself. Then Ghost Rider gains a power because you didn't <laughs> attack him, yep. and then makes you take damage yeah. for attacking. That's Cap, what I just said. Like, yeah. No, it's it's a great combo, uh-huh. but I don't know if that combo is enough. Not to mention that Cap can't even keep up with Ghost Rider. No, he can't. Like Ghost Rider is going to outrun him, mm-hmm. and so it's, he has range three attacks, so he could like not use his full movement. But Cap's all Cap's going to do is double move to keep up with him the entire game. Mm-hmm. And every time they can, they're going to separate them with pushes and, and throws and stuff. Right. It, it's very much an all-in strategy that if they see it going on, if they have a push, if they have a throw, and then you're spending all of your time just keeping up so Captain America can do it. It's cool. It's a great gimmick, but probably just a good gimmick. So Yeah. And like I said with you, the reason I thought the, the Guardians list worked so well is because every character in it did work. There was no left-out-in-the-cold models that were only there to help. Because, like, your worst combat effective model in that list was Star-Lord, who's got a seven-dice energy attack that you can use, like, every fucking other turn. Yeah. And it's, like, range four. Like, it was very good. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, that was... Uh... That's oh. that. That was that was the think tank we went into uh, this week. Some revelations. So if you if you've been playing Captain America like that, or if you uh, want to do some interesting Ghost Rider shenanigans, take a look at that combo. You can try. I that. actually, I'm going to do an impromptu thing here that I normally don't do. I'm going to add a new topic to the podcast that oh. we might do in the future, uh, and it's going to be called "From the Forums." Oh yeah. Which, uh, if you guys know me, uh, you might think this is going to be a bad segment, but <laughs> it's actually going to be a positive segment. So this week on From the Forums, we actually got a very important ruling that I never thought about. And so, I mean, this is mostly just me not paying attention to the wording, but it was asked if you could push a character through yourself to the other side of you. And so initially I said, well, obviously not because they're going to contact your base. But it says in the rule book that, th- that pushing follows the same rules as throwing, except there's no collision effects. And throwing says you can throw people ignoring yourself. Mm-hmm. And so like Hulk wants to throw somebody, you can basically suplex them, right, and throw them behind you. And so pushing follows the same rules. As long as they have enough movement to move past you, you can drag them through yourselves. Which makes guess which faction a lot better. Spider people. Yeah, web warriors. <laughs> Parker's just got this goddamn it grin on his face. Jesus. So, so you can attack. So yeah, so Spider Man the- standing on a point. You just say I'm using web line, and you get off the point. It doesn't matter like where you are compared to them. They're just gonna get pushed off, pushed through you behind you as long as there's space. Hmm. So like when we were having all that trouble getting you out of that hole in our game. I could have just pulled right. you through Peter, and it would have been not a problem at all. Okay. Yeah, so so that's good to know moving forward. And then uh, I'm going to keep an eye on the rules for him, and so if I see any other important stuff like that come up. Uh, there's only one... The only other one I saw, which was just a timing clarification. So when, when Loki wants to use the I am a god power, where he can uh, succeed on blanks, the trigger is before he rolls dice. So if you use it defensively, the timing says the attacker rolls dice before the defender. And so if you're using it in defense, you can wait and see your opponent's roll. 
then use the power I am a god and roll your dice. And so if oh. they roll a bunch of hits, you'd be like, oh, well, now I'll use it. Or if they roll terribly, you don't use it. <laughs> I love that idea. It's like, so ooh, that- you look like you're really going to punch me. I am a god right now. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, it looks, to be a god. That, that looks limp noodle, so I'm not a god. <laughs> or you can watch Hulk roll his 14, you know, Hulk smash dice and go, that's 11. I'm rolling three. I'll just save the power and get dazed. <laughs> right. All right, cool. All right, so that's going to end that topics for us. So we're done with um, what we're playing, and we're done from our first segment of From the Forums. Uh, So moving on to Hobby Corner. Uh, Hobby projects I've been working on. uh, I've been doing a scratch-built building under construction to go with my construction site terrain. It's mostly coming together, and uh, I'll probably be done with it this weekend, and then I'll post pictures of it on our uh, Facebook page. So if you guys want to check that out, you can go there and see what it looks like. Do you guys have anything you've been hobbying on? I know Jeremy said he's itching to get some new models to paint. Yeah, apparently I have eight models to put together and paint very yeah, soon. Yeah, so you better have those done uh, Saturday. Mm. <laughs> Challenge accepted. I have I have no new hobby news, none. You're still paying the dollars to have other people paint your stuff? I am still paying those dollars and feeling good about it. <laughs> All right. So, since we just talked about the Inhumans a minute ago, Parker, do you want to do your comic corner now? Sure, yeah. Uh, So, uh, Inhumans are one of those uh, comics that, you know, they get, they're they're oftentimes like the side characters. They're a deus ex machina. They kind of show up to be, um, you know, uh, we need a a way to write ourselves out of this problem. Spider-Man needs to fix the problem. Avengers need to solve this issue. And so the Inhumans show up because that's kind of how they work. So that's what I got for you today. Another one of those (laughs) because that's just basically par par for them. I wish I – I looked, actually. I looked really hard for a really good, like, uh, uh, complete multi-issue kind of like I'm really proud of this Inhuman story, and I I struggled. However – I did find uh, a Brian Bendis uh, uh, a number. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know who Brian Bendis is, he's a longtime Marvel writer. Uh, his his very first really big project that got a lot of acclaim was Ultimate Spider-Man, which is still one of my favorite things ever, the original Ultimate Spider-Man in the Ultimates universe. Uh, but after that, basically, they put Brian Bendis on every single major Marvel event. If it's a big event in the Marvel universe, he wrote it. So he wrote House of M. He wrote uh, uh, Secret Invasion. Um, and he wrote this one, uh, Civil War Two, which is the topic I have for you today. Civil War Two actually has all the Inhumans in it, and um, it revolves actually around a brand new Inhuman. For those of you guys who aren't aware, uh, the Inhumans get their powers from a, a substance called the Terrigen Mists that uh, only interacts with people with certain Cree-descended uh, DNA. So way back when, like back in Homo Neanderthalensis, Homo sapiens sapiens, the beginning of humanity uh, on the planet Earth, the, some Cree scientists came to Earth and experimented and spliced Cree DNA into certain humans and gave them access to this mist and became a hyper-advanced civilization and that were kind of uh, secluded and broken off from everyone else. They are the inhumans that we know today. But uh, some of the people that were that had these this uh, Cree DNA got out into the general human population. And so across the planet, there are inhumans that have a no-terrigen mist activation. 
So in the in the major Marvel universe, there was uh, an event that basically uh, there was a huge Terrigen mist e- expansion and explosion across the planet. The atmosphere carried it all around, and so anybody that was potentially an Inhuman just spontaneously turns into one. And the Civil War Two is a graphic novel uh, uh, written by Bendis about one of these uh, in, these new spontaneous Inhumans. His power is to see very clairvoyantly into a possible future uh, in a very, very strong and incredible way. And so um, Captain Marvel actually decides to use it to fight crime, kind of uh, Minority Report style, where she goes and uh, stops crime before it happens. And um, Iron Man, Tony Stark, takes offense at that. And so Captain Captain Marvel and Iron Man go head-to-head in Civil War II, hero versus hero, over how they should treat this new potential Inhuman. And the Inhumans are kind of stuck in the middle of it. Um, if you've never seen anything about the Inhumans, uh, the, there's a pretty cool introduction to their society. You get to see it through this new Inhuman that shows up um, and and how it is that they work, how they're trying to incorporate all these random Inhumans back into uh, a culture that had been secluded for so long. Uh, Brian Bendis does a great job with the story overall, but my favorite part of the Inhumans in this is the artist. Uh, Oliver uh, Coppel does an absolutely ridiculous job with the Inhumans. They look so cool. In particular, Medusa. Uh, Medusa has uh, animate hair. Her hair, uh, has uh, she can animate it and prehensile, and oh my god. Her stuff in this, uh, her prehensile hair looks so freaking cool in this comic. Uh, it's one of the goofiest, dumbest powers, but uh, Copal makes it look say, so isn't amazing. She, isn't she supposed to be like the queen of the Inhumans? She is, yes. In the current Marvel Universe, Black Bolt is excommunicated. He is, I don't, he's not dead. He's just off doing his own thing. Um, long, Very long story short, uh, Black Bolt is the reason why there was a Terrigen explosion, and uh, he basically abdicated the throne at the same time that he released the Terrigen mist across the planet Earth. And so Medusa is ostensibly the only ruler of the Inhumans now, and she is, you know, one of the main characters in Civil War II because she is, you know, technically the person that uh, Captain Marvel and Iron Man are fighting over is one of her citizens. So she's, you know, a big part of the story. And uh, her hair is—I know this sounds strange, but the art choices that he makes for her hair are just so freaking cool. It looks amazing. Uh, so if you um, want to see some cool Inhuman art and a really good story. Uh, the Inhumans are part of it, and they're interesting too. Um, the Civil War Two is a cool one for that. It's also it's also, also Brian Bendis. I've never seen Brian Bendis puts his hand on a major major Marvel event and it not be just awesome. It's great, so you'll like it. So I, I'm not very familiar with the Inhumans. I think a lot of people aren't. Um, is it like standard for the Inhumans to be really powerful compared to like your average mutant, or is it just kind of like a crapshoot like the mutants are? Yeah, it's it's just kind of totally random, uh, like your power level. Uh, the uh, the you know one of the things about the Inhumans is that some of their powers seem infinitely ridiculously strong. Like Karnax, for example, uh, when you you the the one we don't have a model for him now, but Karnax's ability to sense weakness in anything is actually like insanely powerful, right? From an engineer's standpoint, just like I can look at anything and know precisely where its weakness is and then shut it down instantly. And you're like, well, hell, like you're unstoppable functionally, right? Uh, and that that is basically what Karnak's power is. And, and that's how it works in the Marvel Universe is he's 
he's functionally unstoppable if he gets the opportunity to exploit the weakness that he observes. Like, he can't be stopped. Um, so they're inhumans like that. And then they're inhumans like, you know, Triton, who is, you know, he is a fish man. That's his power. That's it. He's a fish isn't there man. Enough, isn't there enough bad fish men in the comic world? <laughs> yeah. So I think we have enough. Yeah. Well, that's in the DC universe. Like, one third of all bad guys are semi fish related. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> aqua. We need another aqua. Um, yeah. yeah. Pass. We need a shark man, man shark, cave shark, uh, cave shark man, <laughs> ape shark, uh, ape gorilla man. And then that's that's our bad guys. Just animal something. Yep. Or like mirror something. Okay. Or. Cold something. Well, no, I guess yeah, yeah. we all know a little bit more about the Inhumans now than we did, unfortunately. I know the um, the Agents of Shield TV show deals a little bit with the Inhumans, so there's that. Yeah, they have their if own. They have their own show that. now too. Inhumans have their own series now. It's eight episode. Oh, that's series. true. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Well, I just remember yeah, that... uh, Agents of Shield was basically awful for the first season, and then the second season was really good. And then it just goes awful good, awful good, okay, awful, and like like kind of weaves its way in and out of being good and bad left and right. But uh, it had some. It was worth watching. I think the Agents of Shield show. I there's definitely some characters that are fun to watch. Well, the the Inhumans oh, you know, right. series season is exactly a spinoff of them on the Agents of Shield show. Yeah. Okay. So that brings us to our final topic of today, which is going to be crunching the numbers. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Uh, so today. Uh, well, last time we did crunch the numbers, uh, Parker pointed out some stuff with uh, action economy that we're going to dive deeper into eventually. But that inspired me to take a look at uh, defensive stats throughout the game. Uh, Jeremy, I don't know if you have the spreadsheet pulled up, but it's uh, it's one of the tabs in that Excel sheet we have. It's called the defense matrix. That sounds... uh, so basically what I did is I compiled a list of all the defensive stat lines in the game currently, which I, I have 50 but one of them is um, Green Goblin on his injured side because his stats dramatically change on the back side. Uh, he was the only one I noticed that had different stats on the injured side. So going through here, generally all the stats range from somewhere between 2 and 6, which is you know pretty basic as far as everyone knows. Uh, their only stats that are 5 or 6 on non-ultimate encounter characters are in the Mystic stat, though. So the Mystic has the highest end of the side, but that's basically just because of people like Magneto and um, the Maw and people like that. Just They're like Mystic-oriented, so they're very high in one stat. All right. So uh, if you guys haven't looked at this too much, stop looking at it. I wanna, I'm going to play a little guessing game with you guys, so close okay. your eyes. I'll All right. turn it off. I see you guys not having your eyes closed. All right. Okay, so uh, back in the day, we talked about how uh, Jeremy said that the Mystic Defense stat wasn't actually the bad stat. It was actually energy. And at the time, I said, I don't know if you're right. I'll have to look into it. And so looking into it now, I think every one of us can agree physical is the most commonly high stat, right? Like if a model's going to have a high stat, it's going to be physical, right? Word. Okay, so I, I'll take that as an affirmative. Yeah, that's what uh, word means. So can you guys guess what the average – Jeremy, I see you peeking – I'm not looking. Can you guys guess what the average <laughs> what the average physical defense in the game is? So of the 50 stat lines, if you took the average, what is the average physical stat? Obviously, three. there's a lot of threes. So Yeah, I was going to say, I would say median has got to be three. Average? Right. So Average probably so three? So the, the average is 
So we'll just call it 3.21. All right. So 3.21 is the average physical stat throughout the game. Can you guys guess what the mystic equivalent is? What's the average mystic stat? Oh, Because we always assumed that mystic was lower. It's four. Oh, I bet Parker, it's actually. are you cheating? No, I'm not. I, I, I bet... I bet it is. Um, I bet because those high, those uh, those couple spikes actually totally throw it off. I bet it's like. Well, keep four. in mind, there's only two of those really high ones, and there's fifty stat lines. Uh, the so green, no, green goblin's injured side is high too. It's not six though. Um, right. It is actually the yeah. It, it's five. It's uh, five. He's the he's the only other one over four of the mm-hmm. non ultimate encounter. I bet. I bet it's. I bet it's. I bet. It, uh, I bet it uh, approaches four. Or it is four. I bet. I bet. Okay, well, you're wrong. Okay. Jeremy, right. do you want to throw out a guess? Uh, 3.87643. All right. No, <laughs> it is act- It is absolutely identical to the physical stats. Shit. It's 3.21, exact same remainder. It wow. It is the exact same average as Mystic. That's much more interesting However, than... Uh, that's much more interesting yeah, than it's almost like there was a plan to make yeah. them exactly the same. Yeah. Now, alternatively, Jeremy said energy is the lowest, but to show how wrong he was, <laughs> the average energy stat is actually 2.92. It's dramatically huh. lower than the other two stats. So Jeremy was absolutely right. Energy is hands down the worst stat. Yeah, I told you. Yeah, Jeremy was right. Bitches. So uh, I've made this little uh, compiling list here, and it shows, uh, to explain this chart, it's kind of confusing for people just looking at it, so it's probably best if I just explain it. Obviously, our, our people, listeners at home, can't see the chart. Basically, I compiled a yes or no list based on what a model's highest stat is. And this is a relative chart, not saying, like, they have a high stat overall, but relative to the character, the number is high. To give an example, Black Widow is a perfect starting place so she has an energy defense of two and then a mystic defense of four and a physical defense of three and so she's average to to physical low to energy high to mystic right and part of that is like her psychological training or whatever but basically she has a low stat a high stat and a median stat so i went through all of the characters and if they had a median or stats that were tied i called that their average And then if they had a high stat or a low stat separate of that, I noted it. So a number of characters in the game of low stats, so saying their singular low stat, they had one stat that was lower than the other two, was the only time I counted this. So if they had like a four in physical and three in energy, three in mystic, I said they didn't have a weakness because they were, they're average to those two, right? Mm -hmm. So of characters in the game that had a weakness to physical out of 50, there are five. So one in ten characters is weak to physical. Uh, so go, moving on to energy, there were eight characters that had a weakness to energy and five characters that had a weakness to mystic. And so eight being the noticeable outlier, there's three more characters in the game that are weak to energy than the other two stats, which is not not quite double, but it's still a noticeable amount. Yeah. Alternatively, moving over to the high side, so saying that you had a singular high stat, There are 12 characters in the game that are strong against physical over the other two. There's eight characters that are strong to mystic over the other two. Because like we said, physical is going to be the most commonly high stat. We Mm -hmm. all agreed on that. Yeah. And the numbers show that is to be correct. However, there's only one character in the game right now that is singularly strong to energy. Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm. Over 10 times as many to the other two. That's crazy to me. 
And the only character that has a higher energy is Captain Marvel, which obviously makes sense. But. Yeah. But yeah, it really surprised me when I when I started digging into the numbers. I didn't I didn't even consider that like almost no one is strong to energy. Like that you wouldn't want to attack them with energy. And not only that, but she has a special rule in addition to her stats that makes her even more resilient against energy. So yeah, huh. if you're ever worried about energy, Captain Marvel, she's good. Hmm. Well, that's, uh, so Well that's that's what's really fascinating about that is is in general we've talked about this before we haven't actually done this number now this will be maybe the next task for us crunching the number or attack types in the game uh, a lot of range attacks or or you know range three plus attacks are energy um mm-hmm. so that means that energy attackers just in the game or rather range attackers in the game are going to be able to exploit uh just stats more often that's interesting yes and um, so moving on to the median, so this is these stats are true if this number, so if we're talking about physical, if your physical is equal to another one of your stats or in the middle of two other stats. So like Black Widow, for example, her physical defense would have been her average stat. Mm-hmm. But like Bucky, obviously all three of his stats would be average because mm-hmm. he's threes across. Actually, wait, I say that Bucky's not threes across the board. He has two in Mystic. Draxes, uh, three, but like Draxes. A, yeah, any of the other like Star Lord, any of the other threes across the board people, the average defenders is what we call them. There are thirty four people with physical being their average stat, forty four with energy, thirty six with mystic, and so take that for what you will. Basically, saying there's a lot of people that have three in their in their energy defense, but very few that are strong to it, and a handful that are weak to it. So it's just kind of a weird way that falls out. Hmm. Um. Talking about uh, total defense, so adding all three numbers together, uh, the possible ranges are somewhere between 7 and 12. There are only two characters in the game that have a 7, and there's one character in the game with a 12, and everybody else obviously falls in there. So there's 2 with 7, 9 have 8, 17 have 9, which is what we call the average, and then 11 people have a 10, 8 people have 11, and one person has the 12. The average in the game being about nine and a third it's nine point three five two nine what so are, what are the see... what are the outliers Sorry, what are the maximum and minimum characters which characters are max and min hella and rocket. oh uh hella is the fours and then rocket mm-hmm. and so rocket raccoon is one and the other one is hulk, hulk. two two three mm-hmm. angela will be up there with yeah. her eventually but yeah right yeah i just did characters currently out because i didn't want to go hunting down cards online to check stats Right. Um, so obviously this list will be updated at some point. Um, so this is kind of the important stuff that I was looking at, and I've sorted all these by color and everything so I can kind of like dig into the math a little bit. And so I just thought it was interesting that everyone, I think, was assuming that Mystic was supposed to be like the desirable damage type. Really, energy is the desirable damage type, which makes characters that have energy strikes, like I believe it's... Um, Obviously, Killmonger and Ghost Rider have energy strikes. I think also a lot of ranged people do, like Rocket and Star-Lord. But um, does Black Panther have energy because he has the claws? Uh, no, his, his brother. Name. Yeah, no, I said Killmonger. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Isn't it um, his cousin? It's his cousin. Think it... uh, I guess it's his cousin, yeah, I think it's true. His cousin, yeah. So that, mm. that makes Doctor Strange's yeah, ability I... premium. I mean, that, that, that yeah, really Yeah, Doctor matters. Strange having a basic energy attack is pretty big. Um, also his ability to switch to to energy that's what i'm saying be able to do energy punches with hulk (laughs) oh fun fun thing i noticed in one of my later games i don't think i talked about this last time in my defenders list 
uh, Taskmaster being able to use his Memnonic attack thing that that adds dice equal to your physical, and then switching to another damage type yeah. is mm-hmm. hilarious. Because you go against Venom, you're like, sweet, I spend two, I'm doing an eight-dice attack, and it's energy. And you're like, god damn it! Like, Because <laughs> like, you're getting the extra dice, but you're not attacking that stat. It's so valuable. Because you get, like, eight versus two swings for three power. Like, that's a huge ability. And also, people like Hawkeye being able to choose energy damage over another type is great. Yeah, Green go- um, Green Goblin can do that too. I can't remember who. Ultron has the ability to choose damage type but on his big attack, which is seven dice, which is good. Uh, and he has an energy attack that costs zero, even though it's only five dice. And so a lot of really valuable people on the energy damage type. Oh, wow, I never realized his strike only does four damage. So energy blast is like his bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, that was energy attackers, good. Um, so I did another little, um, comparison of basically which characters have a better to one attack type than another. And so, uh, basically this columns is if you're, if a character has a better physical defense than energy, there are 16 of the 50 characters have a better physical defense than an energy defense. And so that means there's 34 that have a better energy than their physical, which I thought was actually kind of surprising. Huh? But then, alternatively, going from who has a better energy than Mystic, it's almost exclusively Mystic is higher. So, those people that you want energy damage to hurt, it's not just that they're strong to physical or weak to physical, because of the 50 characters, only 6 of them have a higher energy defense than a Mystic defense, which is horrible, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that's ridiculous. Heavy, heavy one-sided. And so, Mystic is... If you had to choose between energy and mystic, it's not even a question that energy damage is better, which is basically the two we're talking about. Because physical is obviously the most commonly resisted based on the number of like highest stats. But there's just so many that have physical or mystic higher than energy. It's crazy. And then the closest one actually is physical versus mystic. 17 people have higher physical than mystic. 33 have higher mystic than physical. And so basically what we found out is Mystic is actually the hardest thing to attack in most cases because it's very, very rarely a dump stat. Like, almost never are they just terrible at Mystic. That is so true, just, though. I would you found this interesting. Yeah, when you're looking at cards in the game, uh, I was not I was not totally ignorant of that trend. And, if, and also, Mystic is the only one where it punches up above four at all. So like yeah. the average mystic is thrown because you'll never we have yet to see a physical or energy defense above four, but several characters do have mystic defense above four, and so it feels, yeah, it's weird. Mystic seems like oh wow, mystic attack, what a good idea, and then when you actually look at the game, you're right. like, wait a minute, there are lots of characters that will just stonewall the hell out of that, and most characters are not going to be weak against it. And so talking about like weakness possibilities. They're of the characters in the game that have a two in a defensive stat, six have it in physical, 11 have it in energy, and five have it in mystic. And so mystic is the least common weakness amongst characters in the game, energy being the most common weakness. And then uh, at three, there's 28 in physical, 33 in, in energy, 33 in mystic. And then number of fours, however, physical has 17 fours. Energy has seven, Mystic has eleven, and then obviously Mystic has one five and one six currently, which is about to change because Magneto. 
He's so neato. I know. I was waiting for someone to say that. <laughs> he is. Um, so yeah, uh, do you guys do you guys think that there's any more information to be gleaned from this chart? Do you have any questions about uh, defensive stats that I might have been able to answer for you? No, I, I I just find it fascinating. After as someone who has just recently began like really canvassing the game for interactions and look because you know okay I really like Zemo I really like Ghost Rider so. What do I? What can I do with them? Let's look at every single card of the game really closely. Um, it's interesting to see all this, uh, you know, data next to each other at the same time. You know, uh, confirming suspicions that I I didn't have enough. Right? You, just, you look at the cards. You're like, wow, that he has a you know two defense against energy. Okay, and you move on. Well, he has two defense against energy too. Okay, and then <laughs> you don't realize how often that's actually happening mm-hmm. until you put them all next to each other and you realize, oh wait, actually. Um, energy attacks are going to do very well against so many characters in this game. I would like yeah, to... Yeah, I think uh, for my next... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jerry. I was going to say, I, the one thing I would like to see is um, point cost and health totals and how that relates. Oh. I was literally going to say, for my next Crunch the Numbers, I'm going to incorporate health and point cost into the <laughs> Matrix. <laughs> Well, <laughs> we're on the same page. Literally what I was saying when you interrupted me. Yeah. So, so yeah, this one I just wanted to do pure defensive stats because mm-hmm. obviously having a big health pool behind your defensive numbers helps. And obviously a lot of these characters like the Maw and Magneto are going to have abilities that greatly affect their defense outside of that. And also characters like um, Captain America and Taskmaster Modoc. and Black Widow. There's a lot of people that have abilities that affect their defense on top of that, mm-hmm. but it's really hard to evaluate those in individual number like analysis. And so obviously you'll have to look at those independently, but if they end up with a really high score on these other things, then you know, you might want to look at it in addition with even like maybe even just put an asterisk next to the people that have special rules on top of their high defensive numbers. Like Hella I- for a four point character is I think a little bit high on the hit points because she's oh no she's low because she's six four right she's yes. only got ten hit points mm-hmm. but the resurrection ability obviously is very important for her um, and she has no way to like, modify uh, she has no way to uh, modify her dice I mean that's a big one too yeah that who hurts. can modify yeah mm-hmm. yeah or count blanks so, or your wilds don't count right. or yeah mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of really good defensive abilities. Um, so yeah, when I when I include hit points and point cost, I'll basically give everyone a score, and it will have a formula built in. It'll just tell us basically their what their the value of their defensive stats and hit points are to like success. And I'm gonna dig into like the average damage per attack kind of stuff. So like it'll basically be how many attack dice on average have to be rolled against you before you would be dazed or or killed, and so that will basically come out to a survivability number. And then you'll basically look at them and go, okay, well, in a vacuum, the raw numbers say they are this hard to kill. And so switching that over to adding in your different special rules that add to their defensive stats, then that, that will be kind of up to the individual person. But I think it'll be interesting once we have the, I have this formula database filled out going, okay, well, obviously we think Avengers are really hard to kill. Black Order are really hard to kill. So, like, maybe we'll start seeing some... Uh, patterns on basically characters taken versus characters ability to survive and see if there's maybe a reason we see a lot of the same characters over and over again so i have a question for you this is kind of related to this uh this is awesome and 
by the way, thank you, because I, I know this this takes uh, a level of analysis that I uh, is actually outside of my expertise. I, I don't know how to even start doing this kind of thing in Excel. So this is awesome. Oh, I uh, thought you were going to see. I thought you were going to say it's going to be outside your patience level. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm actually, uh, if you want to do so, I, I was actually telling somebody today that I took a entire year-long course at Microsoft Word. And so if you want me to make a Google Doc or a Microsoft Word Doc, I can do crazy cool things in that uh, application. But I actually never have touched ever Excel. I Never have I ever used uh, Excel or uh, Google Sheets or any other variety of those things. So I'm all thumbs when it comes to that stuff. But the... Um, so I, it is very impressive to me. It, it's awesome, and then the other thing I was uh, the second half of this was um, speaking of like list construction. Uh, not only will we be able to identify trends, but maybe we could use this to get closer to that. If if there was a most efficient list that didn't use an affiliation, just use these guys because they will put out the most amount of defense. Um, maybe yeah, some I mean, of these. Like, me, I... Go ahead. I was just say optimistically, I think that's what I eventually want to do, because if we can basically write a math problem to determine the most efficient points for hit points and defensive stats, then we can continue that on to most efficient model attacks, and then we can f continue that on to uh, the action economy that you were working on, and then maybe continue it on even further into like other generic support rules. And then we can just find out, like, take an average of all of their total numbers and decide, like, well, this is the best character in the game, according to our math. And then we can see, like, how close we were, like, how good was our analysis. And it's like, well, this character is played in most lists, so actually it might be correct. Like, this might be the best character in the game. Yeah. Was... But obviously that will never, that will never, like, completely replace, like, synergy and stuff. Like, having a good, like, concept behind your list. Like, right. the, I think the Defender, or the Guardians of the Galaxy list that you built is greater than the sum of its parts. And that will always be true. There will always be lists that are better than the characters in them. Mm. But, you know, starting from a place where it's just like, well, I just want to take good characters and, you know, see where it leads me. Well, then we'll have some math on that and see what it looks like. So I think it's interesting the, um, because we're kind of like grinding it down to a point where, um, you know, other tabletop games, you start to get to, you know, you have a new player and they start talking about stats. And sometimes they start bringing stats up that actually don't matter, which I wonder mm -hmm. if we're going to get to that with this game where it's like, well, they roll three dice for defense. And you're like, that's actually not a real stat. That doesn't matter mm -hmm. at all. What matters but this is... He has a healing But this character factor. has a nine mystic defense. Exactly. You're like, that's completely irrelevant yeah. to the game. It like, doesn't no matter. one's going to attack yeah. the mystic. Because yeah. offense works in a certain way, and the game, you know, it unfolds. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what it grinds down to, or at least what we think it does, you know. Well, it's like, I know most people probably won't get this, but in War Machine, there's a unit called um, the, oh, God, no. What was the name of that three-man character unit in Cricks? It was, uh, oh, I can't believe I forgot. They did Dark name. Industries? <laughs> they had dark industries. Yeah, what yeah. were they called? And so there was a unit. Oh, the combine. There was a unit of like sorcerers. The combine, the, yeah. The wither shadow combine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the wither shadow combine and cricks. But basically, there's a unit of wizards that got bonuses on damage versus giant robots. But the concept that you would ever use them to attack giant robots <laughs> was so obscure and weird and crazy that you're just like, why would you charge? a 50 foot tall robot with wizards like, it doesn't make <laughs> sense it's so worthless it's like trying to bring down walls 
with miners. It's like, I'm going <laughs> to dig the dirt out from under your walls. Like, that's not efficient. Like, <laughs> you should use ballistas and trebuchets. Like, what is wrong with your brain? He's like, I'm doing it my way. Like, you're okay, whatever. I can't talk to you anymore. Like, like, but there was like people's like, well, it has this rule. Like, Parker be like, my model has a pistol. It will shoot it. It's like, and you lose the game because your model shot your pistol. Yeah. Like, like maybe you shouldn't have walked up there and shot the enemy like robot in the face to, with a pistol. To be fair, my Wither Shadow Combine never engaged in combat with a Warjack. That never happened. To be fair, <laughs> but yeah, it's okay. a decoy ability. But yeah, you know so what I mean? yeah. exactly. Yeah, I think we're we're getting to the point where there's enough variety in the game where. You can actually accomplish the same goal in multiple factions now, which is nice because it gives you choice of theme more than choice of playstyle. And so that I think this is going to be more valuable the longer the game goes is being able to like dissect the numbers. And obviously, you know, nobody's obligated to listen to us or even necessarily use these numbers. I just think it's a fun thought exercise. I also I also well, like it because for oh, go ahead. I uh, just say, yeah, I do think we get useful information out of it, even if it ends up being wrong, because, like, we've now discovered that, like, energy is definitely the best damage type. Like, there's no question yeah. energy is the best damage type. I, I like it because of the, I was going to speak to exactly that. Uh, oftentimes, when I'm building lists, I need a tiebreaker. Like, I have two really good ideas, or, like, two models that do something similar. Kind of like you're saying, we now have some the game's getting wide enough and the pool's getting deep enough that sometimes you can have two different three-point characters that fulfill similar roles and you don't know which one to go with. Well, now we know that the one that has a consistent um, energy uh, damage might be one that you'll see used more often. Like it'll, it, I, I like it because it lets me break ties. Uh, if I have two models that are trying to go into a slot and I'm not sure what to do with it, maybe this one will win because it has an energy attack. And before, I would have had to use some other metric, you know, that could have been way off. But, um, or uh, it, I could have gone with what people thought before, which was, ooh, this one has a mystic attack, so I'll put him in because mystic is so rare. As it turns out, it is rare, but also heavily defended, so why have it uh, necessarily? That's like using flintlock pistols to hold people up in an alleyway is not, like, common. You're like, well, there's yeah. a reason for that, because it's right. not practical. Yes. But, um... It will technically work, <laughs> Jeremy, but do you not have... very well. <laughs> yeah. Well, it might technically work. Yeah. <laughs> it technically might not work. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, do you have anything else to add on the defensive stats? I have one more point, but I believe it's going to lead us on a tangent, and so this will probably be the last time we talk about this list. Um... Just Captain America can go fuck himself. I mean, that's all I need to say. <laughs> hey, well, bro, let's... I mean, what? I'm just saying that when this formula is done, he's going to be not that great. Whatever. Although he is one of the eight characters in the game with an 11. Uh, he shares such uh, rarefied air as with Ultron and Thor, Prince of Asgard, and Ronan the Accuser. Uh, which I believe, oh, and then Green Goblin injured, who has three three five <laughs> as an eleven. That's the worst eleven possible. God. I was gonna say that Ultron had the worst eleven because he's uh, he's got the three in the Mystic or three in the Energy, but God, Green Goblin is terrible uh, for an eleven anyway. Ghost Rider uh, also an eleven. Drax the Destroyer. No, sorry, I misread the line. Doctor Strange and Doctor Octavius. Did you know that? That he's one of the 11s because he's 434. Huh. And then, yeah, Captain America's last one. Yeah, I, I mean, because it's a, it's a starter box character that no one ever really plays unless they're playing Spider-Foes, so you don't think about him. Uh, but yeah, he has one of the best defensive stats in the game. 
Uh, so speaking of that, moving on. Uh, so we just spent a long time talking about how energy is the obviously worst defense as the best damage type. Does that mean Captain Marvel's actually really good and just no one's playing her because they don't realize it? Because she's she's got a foreign energy, and in addition to having a foreign energy, she has an ability that helps you defend against energy attacks with um, energy absorption. If she rolls a wild in her defense roll, she gets to change one of the opponent's crits, wilds, or hits to a blank, um, which I believe will let you cancel their wild ability, which is really good. Um, I don't know why this character actually isn't played. Like, and I'm one of the biggest haters on Captain Marvel. Uh, but she has twelve. She has twelve hit points in addition to her decent stat line. I was actually. Gonna, I think that um, she's so she's she's one. Uh, she's a Jedi character, right? Like when you design games, you build a jet. You build a curve where all the characters kind of sit on it, and then you all you purposely have outliers in certain metrics to make them really strong, and they make really good foils for certain strategies. So I think maybe one of the reasons why Captain Marvel doesn't see play right now is because, you know, pre this podcast, pre this kind of data crunching, we assumed Mystic was maybe a strong option. And so, but, but if cats pe- out of the bag, yeah, but if the cat's out of the bag and people listen to the podcast and they realize, wait a minute, uh, as it turns out, energy is the gun I need to bring. Um, then if that starts to happen, you start to see people filling their list full of energy damage to take advantage of that you know, general disposition in the game right now to be weak against energy, then all of a sudden you'll see a counterplay, right? Captain Marvel will be used as a foil because she is outside, she's above the Jedi curve for energy defense by far, right? So since she's such an outlier, you'll see her put in as a counterplay to that. But I don't think there is a counterplay right now. So running through her stats real quick, because I I just, I think a lot of people just don't even look at her because she's in the starter box. I think that happens to a lot of characters in the starter box. But... Uh, so six health on both sides, size two, move medium, flight, four points, three, four, three on defense. She's got the average strike of five dice physical, gain power for damage dealt. Her energy blast, though, gains her one power, and she can reroll any number of dice in the attack roll. Uh, and her rocket punch is seven dice, range three, staggers on a wild, only cost three. Binary, add two dice to attack and defense rolls for five power, which is costly, but good. And then her Danvers special is her throw. Cost three, throw up to size three of enemy character or terrain feature within range two, throw at medium. And then energy absorption, she's immune to poison. Uh, Which now that poison's actually in the game is useful. (laughs) As opposed to when she was printed and it wasn't in the game. Yeah. So Um, I'm going to tell you why. So I mean, the ability... Go ahead, Jerry. The reason you don't see her played is because she's a four point and all the new models came out when people are starting to play the game. Right. I mean, that's exactly why you never saw her played. She's not half as interesting. Well, I don't think you saw her... I don't think you saw her before other people were out. Like, she was the first character cut from lists, I think. Sure. And the more I look at it, it might be because, like, the starter box characters just weren't, like... What am I trying to say here? Um, I think the energy, like... The concept of energy damage being a good damage type was definitely not a thing in the starter box. That and also, um, also look at the stuff she does. It's very expensive. It takes actual time to get her going, or you have to do certain things, which means she has to be punched in the face or have a way to get her power to get her going. And I mean, when you you know initially want to start playing this game, you're like, well, shit, I'll never be able to do her things. Like, I'll right. spend it Getting- all, and I can't do it. 
getting to four power is definitely like the goal for her because mm-hmm. obviously uh, a lot of people end up playing her in Avengers. Um, so you get the discount on her power ability, but you might be able to also play her in like Cabal where she gets an extra da- power for dealing damage because then she can kind of do what Hela does and get the two blast for two power gain. And then like all of a sudden she's paying for her binary form every turn and then she becomes an actual monster. Uh, because yeah, if she's not able to get into binary form, she's just okay. But honestly, a range four, four power attack that rerolls attack dice is probably still one of the best range attacks in the game. That's as good as a six that doesn't reroll, guaranteed. Right. No, or that's, better. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, there'll be the times when, oh no, I rolled four hits. What am I going to do? I guess just deal damage. And they're like, yeah, that's what you do now. Or you roll a bunch of skulls, will be unfortunate sometimes. Uh, so maybe you Put know, her web you warriors. Play her in- yeah, put her web warriors. <laughs> Shut up. Now her her defensive stats get even better. Uh, she gets the ability to reroll all of her dice, and you know she's a ranged character in web warriors. Who? What's bad about that? She also has a throw. Like I don't know, if she's great in web warriors, but she's certainly not terrible. I actually, uh, uh, I think she belongs in a lot of lists because she she is she is a uh, all rounder. Like there's nothing she does particularly bad, and she has a throw. Um, mm-hmm. so I think she's, I think she actually belongs in a lot of lists. The problem is she's, I, I think actually she's not specialized and that's not super yeah. appealing. Like she doesn't like totally kick ass in any particular thing, but when, like oh, you said, when does. you get her going, <laughs> she's going to do well. I actually think part of the, and this might be just a Kansas city meta thing <laughs> is the the uh, the addiction to three point characters that we have, where it's just mm-hmm. like we just play as many characters as we can because we respect the value of having multiple activations. There was a there was a thing called uh, multiple small unit syndrome in like War Machine for a long time, where uh, throughout the course of the game you'd basically have people would build lists that had like one or two massively large units, like twelve or more guys. And then just support models behind them. And you'd get to the point where they could accomplish almost anything individually, but they couldn't accomplish multiple things at once. And so you would see lists just try and go on the other side of the meta where they would just have lots of like four or six main units that could do all these different things simultaneously. And that's where you run into is like when you're doing Black Order, it's like, well, Thanos can move over here and kill that guy and take his objective. Or I can move over here and take this point and move people off of it. Or I can do this, but he can't do all of it. Like, he can't accomplish two completely different goals simultaneously. But, like, Guardians of the Galaxy can, because they've got seven fucking characters on the table. Like, so having lots of cheap characters that all have two health bars is really valuable. As where if you're just running, like, four guys because you took all the expensive dudes like Asgard tends to do or Black Order tends to do. You just you just run out of activations to accomplish goals. And so I think that's why a lot of people moved away from Captain Marvel, because at the time she was considered expensive. But now with all these six point characters running around, it's she's not nearly as expensive as we imagined she was. Thoughts? Uh yeah. I guess when um I actually really, really liked your Captain Marvel and Cabal idea. I actually like that a whole lot. Mm-hmm. That's the very first. That's the very first way, and that that's all. And that's one hundred percent. I believe it was the very first episode of the podcast. I never think of the bad guys. I never even think about bad guys, <laughs> and yeah. so I go, "You can't put Captain Marvel in the bad guys. There are no bad guys. There's only X Men and Avengers and Spider People in this game." Uh, but also, um, 
I didn't actually finish reading the ability, but energy absorption, every time she triggers energy absorption with a wild and she changes a die, she gains a power. Yeah. And so if you actually shoot her with an energy attack, it's like just a bad idea. And so she, I think if the meta does change to massive energy attacks, I think you're right. She is the counter and she'll start getting played in a lot of lists. Even if she doesn't make, or sorry, a lot of rosters. I don't know if she'll actually make the table a lot, but when your opponent looks up and sees her, in maybe like web warriors and you've got like inspiring monologue on your roster. Like they'll just be like, I can't kill her. Like she'll never die. So I can't mm-hmm. play my energy strategy. So I have to like switch to something else. I like, I actually really like her in cabal for exactly what we just talked about in cabal. It's the faction mm-hmm. that she can just shoot out. Right. I'll stand at this point. You'll yeah. shoot at me from range three. I'll shoot at you from range three and we'll trade energy blast and we'll see who wins. I, I, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, I know right. that she goes to Rage 4, but I'm saying that... She also has a potential 9-dice energy attack that staggers on wilds. Yes, which, is, like which that, is... That's a good attack. They, which is awesome. And it only costs 3, yeah. three It only costs three power. So it, I think... Well, I mean, once you're in binary form, it does. <laughs> right. Um, mm-hmm. But I really... But also, she'd be, she'd be really good in Cabal, because Red Skull can move her around uh-huh. and allow her to... Double tap. Um... Yeah, to get double attacks in, and so she doesn't have to spend actions moving very often, which would be really nice. She also has flight. Uh, he can also he can also stand next to her and throw energy attacks her way to potentially get her more power, because he can use hail use hail hydra. To, oh wait, it might have to be a cabal member. Now that I think about that, is hail hydra only cabal Let stuff? Me, I don't remember. It might just be ally within two. Come on, Jeremy, you're the cabal guy. Does hail uh, hydra when work the on other character things? is targeted by an attack? You spare another allied. No, it's just allied character. She there he can you do go. it to her. So that's not nothing. Yeah, so he can hail Hydra to her to get to feed her more power and de- you know, destabilize their attacks and use her four defense dice against their ranged attacks. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, Jeremy, you need I'm to convinced. change your Cabal list to put Captain Marvel in. No. He's just shaking his head. No, nope. I won't do <laughs> that. I won't do that. I like everything we're talking about, but I'm still... There's way too much character in the game right now for me to put Captain Marvel anywhere. I, I just don't dig her that much. And I'll actually go ahead and say the opposite. In my my very first, uh, this is exciting me, this conversation, because my very first game of uh, Crisis Protocol, I had to put Captain Marvel on the table. Like, I had to, because I love her character. Um, Was it because you were playing a demo game and you legally had to? <laughs> uh, no, no, we were playing, a, it, was the first okay. full, it was the first full game, and I had the full roster, and oh, I, okay. I could choose any of the four characters, the four-point characters I had, and it was after it was you know after a couple expansions, so I had access to more than just the battle box, and I still felt like I had to put her down because uh, I, th- I think she's awesome. The the Civil War two uh, comic I just talked about today, the comic corner is a, she's a main character and she's awesome in it. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a fist fight against Iron Man in Hulkbuster armor, and it's just so cool. Um, I, I will say so that cool. um. The, like the first three times I played Captain Marvel, which was basically you know like starter box plus like Hulk and Modok, right? So because we were just playing Wave One, we were just crushing games at Wave One. So I played her probably three times, and she was just awful. I never got her going. She never did anything. She just died. I was like, this character is terrible. So I just started. I stopped playing her. But then I about three months ago, probably I played another game. Maybe two months ago. I played a game against some random guy. I was kind of giving him like a learner game so he could like learn if he wanted to play or not. 
And of course, I play Captain Marvel because I'm basically playing starter box stuff versus him. And she goes off and was just nuking people left and right and just couldn't be stopped. I think she took three damage the entire fight. Just standing in the middle of the board, just blasting people, just refused to take damage. And I was like, well, I guess if this is what Captain Marvel can be, she's really good. But it's kind of like, like everyone's had those games with Modok where he just like never gets going because he never gets enough power. Because his like his first two attacks kind of fumble and then he gets ganged up on and killed and he's like, well, that was kind of boring and like bad. Like all of a sudden, like Modok's not good, and you don't know how you feel about the universe. Anyway, I might actually start considering her in lists now because I, I basically actually, have written her off as a not not a playable character. Uh, I'm actually right now. I'm looking at my Criminal Syndicate uh, Cabal list, and there was a slot in that list that we just I just kind of threw somebody in there, and I might throw her in there and see what you know how four points shakes out with her if i go to the cabal route yeah. of the list because she's not a criminal and one of the biggest problems no i know that <laughs> she's not a she's, she's not, not a, a bad criminal. guy she's a good guy don't you dare. i would say don't usually one of the usually one of the shut up one of the big problems usually for putting non-faction people in cabal is that they don't get to use dark rain but she already gets to reroll her dice so who cares yeah. it's like what's the if problem you, she really is. Uh, when looking at her uh, after you know staring at it for a bit, she is probably the best. Just I'm going to stand and duel you at ranged character. I can't think of one that's better than her. Like she's going to win that fight if you just if she and Ultron just stare at each other and start blasting each other, she wins, right? Um, uh, I mean, she wins until Ultron revives. But yeah, right. But I'm yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of another character that likes to stand there and blast things. Um, but that's actually a good analogy. Is remember when? Excuse me. Ultron used to be like king shit of like Crap Mountain. And he was mm-hmm. like, hey guys, I'm Ultron. You can't kill me because I'll just come back and wreck your day. But then like people started playing Sucker and he just vanished from the meta. Like, because if you have Sucker in your eight, they can't play Ultron because they just get annihilated. And so you just didn't see him. I think uh, Captain Marvel might be that for the energy attack strategy is because if everyone just starts spamming energy attacks, all of a sudden they'll stop doing it if Captain Marvel starts making it just into rosters and doesn't even make the board. So more people have to listen to this podcast so we can play Captain Marvel. <laughs> well, if they don't listen to the podcast, then they won't play energy attacks. And if they play energy attacks, then you can just play Captain Marvel. So uh-huh. you got them coming and going. <laughs> Captain Jeremy, Mar- why, don't you, why don't you tell us why you hate Captain Marvel so much? <laughs> Because I can see you seething. Like you're like, screw this. She's fine. Um, she suffers from one of the. Uh, she suffers to me because I I, I always want to do everything and spend everything and go crazy. And she just takes a moment mm-hmm. and a pause and like she can't get going until she gets a little bit of power. Uh, also, I tend to get scared with her, so she hangs towards the back. And when you have Cabal. Red Skull's also in the back. So again, like you were saying with Captain America, then you've got two models that are just kind of chilling and not going out and getting it done. She just doesn't work with my play style, really. That's really what it is. I can see that. I think part of it, though, is because we, at the time that we were playing with her, we weren't really, there wasn't an option for scenario. We only had like eight missions in the fucking mm-hmm. game. And so now that there's a lot more missions, I think you might be able to find deployments that she likes, like deployment B, where there's the quarter deployment, where there's a secure in each quarter. Mm-hmm. And so she can like find a spot where she can control something while also being able to affect the game with her range attacks. I think that that might be like her sweet spot. So I think 
I think she'll definitely take a little bit of like list dojoing, but I think I'm uh-huh. actually going to try and get her into some lists coming up soon. I, I would say, but I would I say, think we've pretty much. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say that she is not bad. Um, she she's not she's not a dumpster fire like some things. She's she's okay, and she should be respected <laughs> at least a little bit. <laughs> Parker. <laughs> uh, I I played her in my very first game, and now I'm now going to try her again. I'm gonna do it. I'll kill her. It's easy. To, it's easy to and sell he, me. He never looked back until now. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I played Captain Marvel in my first game, throwing that model away. Uh, well, to be fair, I she did get to do her binary form, and she, I believe, if I remember correctly, uh, she got her binary form, and then she totally blew. Uh, I believe it was Doctor Octopus, just like right off the table, just wow, just like he disappeared in a Figures. puff of smoke. Uh, Everybody which... does that to Doctor Octopus. <laughs> hey, he's he's an eleven. You respect Doctor Octopus? Oh, that guy's no, no. that guy's yeah. an eleven. What what was his weak stat again? Oh wait, three. <laughs> Whoops. But uh, yeah, but I, I I remember playing with her, and she she played the entire game, and she took a bunch of hits, and she kept coming back, and she yeah uh, she was she was not a weak character. My one experience with her, I she was not the reason I lost. I lost because I didn't know how to play scenarios in a scenario game yet. But Parker. Um, Parker, I feel like I have to tell you this, even though it's going to make me sad. She's literally the hard counter to Venom because she can just throw Venom out of range three and then shoot him at range four. And he can't we are or he can't so many snacks her mm-hmm. and she does energy damage like he, yeah. she literally hard counters Venom. Right. No, I think she actually hard counters. I think she doesn't. She. She there are a couple of melee characters that she's going to win against because she throws them and zaps them. And there are. Uh, a couple, uh, and then anybody who wants to just energy duel her is going to struggle. And then if she ever gets enough power to binary form first, then she's just going to win that round. Like that round, your opponent's going to have to choose something else to do, probably. Um, also, don't forget that binary form lasts until you activate again. And so you can just write it through the whole next round and oh, activate that's right. her last. That's right. So I, you I can remember actually it. get the defensive yeah. dice through until she goes again. And so you can just sit there and be like, I'm not going to activate her until I, like, I'm not going to get attacked anymore. Right. So if you start the, if you get it, if you get it off as your first activation, you could have a full two rounds of her benefiting from those yeah. six dice. That's actually really, then, I, I didn't realize. I, and I, then I you activate that. her first the next turn and get back into binary. Uh-huh. So she's only out of it for like two character activations. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's enough Captain Marvel talk because, you know, it's about ten times the normal amount of Captain Marvel talk we put on this. That's the Captain Corner. We just Captain's Corner. <laughs> no. Not everything can be a corner, Parker. <laughs> some things have to some you, things have to be terrorists. You tell that to a box. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> to a box, everything's a corner. I hate you. Why did you say that? <laughs> Everything you've ever said is wrong. <laughs> go build bad Avengers list, you fucking not Avengers player. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go build a cabal list right now with Captain Marvel. Parker, you're not allowed to play bad guys. We've talked about this. I know. I think it's actually why I haven't played another game since I built the bad guys list, is because bad guys can't you, be played by me. You they broke yourself. They don't work. It hurts too I'm, much. <laughs> I don't. I can't think like them. They like want to win. Can't I guess. Think like them. <laughs> I can't. I just can't do it. I can't suspend my moral compass long enough to play bullseye. I just can't do it. You're like, what's the end game? The greater good. Perfect. 
Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just can't. I just mm, doing it for money or for power. Mm, gross. Let's. I want to save the day. I don't want to. Oh God. All right. Well, Jeremy, you were talking about how you wanted to try and get better at not breaking all of your models when you get mad. Uh, do you remember this? Yeah. I think um, you use different words. <laughs> uh, it's hard to break all your models when you're on Tabletop Simulator, but I definitely wanted to. There's a flip um, button. You definitely hit the flip table button. <laughs> you know, so the whole entire point to me is I'm always jealous or not jealous but i'm always interested in you know we always have those people who come to the store and i can tell you us three are not them um i played a lot of games with you guys uh there's those people that you play and they can lose every game and they're just as happy when they started that game whether they were winning or losing doesn't matter they pack their stuff up you high five they had a great time you had a great time beating them and everybody goes home it just it's absolutely remarkable i don't know how they do it well i will say that i think it does matter how you lose the game like the the concept of losing doesn't necessarily have to have a bad connotation to it like it doesn't have to bring you negative emotions but so specifically what we're talking about is uh, getting tilted in a game getting upset basically losing your cool because of what's happening there there's losing a game because of decisions you've made and being outplayed by your opponent or just things not going your way sometimes. And there's losing a game because your decisions effectively don't matter. And that's usually what gets me. And so I, I definitely go on tilt to dice in this game a lot more than I did in like War Machine or other games I've played. Excuse me. But I feel like the problem I have is when you... Like, you're looking forward to, like, your whole turn is built around, like, all right, I'm going to use Doctor Strange. I'm going to play Pentagrams of Farley. I'm going to use that to teleport Hulk across the board and land him right next to this character that's holding the objective that I need to get. He's going to pay four for Hulk Smash. He's going to have to Gamma Leap to get there. So he's spending all of his power he has. He gets there, dropping eight power to get there. I'm throwing, like, 12 dice at this guy. I roll, like, three hits. I'm like, Cool. And so, like, my 12 dice attack versus their three defensive stats, I get, like, zero damage. And I don't even get a wild to throw them. I'm like, and that's usually what sets me off. It's just, like, there's mm -hmm. no reason this shouldn't have worked. It's just extreme dice odds is what screwed me over. Mm. And so I've made, I've put all this emotional investment and in this, like, like, a little bit of this game, like, like why, why you play it, is because it has this great cinematic appeal. Because, like, Hulk jumping in and smashing something is, like, what I want out of the game. It doesn't even matter if I win at the end. I just wanted to do this, and that failed. That's what sets me off, is when it's mm -hmm. like, I'm not getting to play. I'm making decisions that don't matter because random chance is deciding that my, my decisions are irrelevant. And then, like, we'll turn around and Black Widow will do, like, nine damage to Hulk, and, like... <laughs> okay, I guess if you roll all hits and crits and I roll zero defense, I take nine damage. And you're just like, like, that's just not fun because it's like, it's not cinematic. It's not, it's not even close to what we expect to happen. It's just like random events occur. And it feels like, and I'm trying to think of another game that has a similar feel to it. Because in War Machine, the game is centered around a dice curve because you roll multiple dice at once and add the results together. As where this game, it's just counting successes. The the individual results don't matter. It's just a check yes or no. X-Wing has that. Did this die equal a damage? Right. X-Wing is exactly the same. 
and because it's it's similar, it, all Asmo Day games basically use D8s. And it's a check yes or no, did you roll a damage or a block? And so you'll have these turns where it's like, well, if we're actually rolling D8s and we added the total together, it might not be, like, if you rolled all threes, it's not an apocalyptically bad roll, but the equivalent to rolling all threes on an attack roll is zero hits because you didn't get a four plus on any of them. And so that ruins your day. And it's like stuff like that I find really unfortunate and really frustrating. And I'll get it. My opponent, I, 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 my opponent game against Brian, exact same thing happened. He came in with Thor, swings with his seven dice because he's got a, a, a worthy hammer, does one damage, and Hulk blocks it. And he's like, Hulk's alive with one hit point. What would you like to do next? And he's like, concede because this game sucks. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I, I know exactly how you feel. Like, there's no reason Hulk should have gotten to activate. And especially get to activate with with maximum bonus damage and kill Thor and like all this other stuff that could happen. Like it's just it feels unearned is what you're doing. And so I find that stuff frustrating more than anything else. And the worst part about it is more often than not, you're not even frustrated with your opponent. You're frustrated with the situation and they have zero control over what's happening as well. And so that's why it's the worst to get upset about that stuff. Because you're making your opponent feel bad, yeah, and they didn't do anything wrong. And I think that's my point. Parker, I mean, do you have you were talking about cinematics? Yeah. I mean, it can very well be the opposite side of the cinematics too. The guy dodged, and then he stabbed him in the eye for a whole bunch of damage, and you're like, "What the fuck? Yeah. Really? Really? Yeah." It's like I attack uh, this guy. Ghost Rider deals eight damage to you, and your attack did zero damage. You're like, "Cool! Like this seems worth it." <laughs> Thanks for rubbing that in, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the Parker. Do you have anything to add to what Jeremy said before I I continue? Because I feel like I'm talking too much. Uh, uh, I I actually um, I think one of the things that's really tough about you know this any sort of tabletop gaming experience is that it's a social game. Like it's designed to at at its core, you have to interact with somebody else, right? Um, but you're also interacting with a system that you can get really frustrated with. And that's what I think you're speaking to, especially there at the end of your point, which is when you're frustrated at the system in front of you that's that's not allowing you to see your, your vision, whatever it is, you could get legitimately frustrated by that. But it's so hard for your opponent to not assume you're actually frustrated at them. And the, and that's where, like, the bad loser thing comes in, right? Um, so... Uh, in my personal opinion, I struggle with being a uh, being okay with my vision not being realized. That's what I struggle with, is if I have a tactic or a strategy that I'm planning on and my opponent just removes my model before he gets to do anything, um, then I feel like I wasted all of my time. Like, what... What I, I was, I was, I spent a lot of time and energy getting ready to construct this system, and my piece just disappeared. And maybe it's because of dice, or maybe it's because of a mistake that I made, or a mistake something that the opponent did. But I get instantly very frustrated when uh, something key to my strategy just vaporizes before I get an opportunity to attempt it. Uh, and that's when I get really frustrated is if I lose the opportunity to attempt something. Um, before I, I even get a chance to do it. And I, I'm, I'm also, one of the reasons why uh, in games I have learned that in order to protect myself and my opponent from me getting upset, I need to play characters that aren't flimsy and fragile because I get so frustrated when my flimsy, fragile character dies before he does something that I can create, you know, that 
that feeling of, I'm not mad at you. You just did what you're supposed to do. You tried to kill my guy. But because he's now dead, I get frustrated because he never got to do his thing. Uh, even if his yeah. thing wasn't going to win the game, it was just a thing I wanted him to no, do. Yeah, I, like, I just wanted Hulk to punch guys before he died. Nope, right. he's going to die before that. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's you know, and so when that, when that, that's that's what really frustrates me is when I lose opportunity to see my vision realized, and yeah. and I um uh, for whatever reason and and I I wish I could transmit that to every player I've ever played against like no I'm not mad at you I'm just mad that this that I never got to see this thing happen because I spend hours and hours and hours dreaming of and imagining all the things that can happen in a game that's one of my favorite parts of strategy games and so. When I spend all those hours, which is a, which is a fun investment for me, but it is an investment, and then I try to see the payoff of it in this you know game, um, which also takes an investment of time and energy. Then, if I see that investment vaporize, I I really struggle with it. I immediately feel like my time is quote unquote wasted. My investment is quote unquote wasted. Um, what's really funny about me though, uh, or one of the things that I've noticed about myself is that if I don't uh, table flip. If I don't, you know, slam the table, I I always have a cycle that when after I get upset, I go into an analysis cycle where I start to think about and dream about and imagine new ways to play the game because that's my favorite part. So as soon as it doesn't work, I get frustrated initially, and sadly that usually happens in the game in front of my opponent. But then very soon after, sometimes seconds after, I'm already consoling myself with analysis and, and decision, you know, decision making for the next time I try it. Um, and so people who play me a lot don't get phased when I get up, uh, usually very, you know, when I get frustrated because they know I'm going to bounce back with a thousand ideas in a couple minutes. But if you just, you know, came across me at, at a tournament and, uh, you know, in the very first round I had an idea and it didn't work, uh, that you could see me get really frustrated, and I could, I could see that you know being a side of me that I wouldn't appreciate you watching. But um, I will say that the most frustrated I get when I have these like dice anomalies that that frustrate me is when I'm playing against you, because <laughs> you have this habit of when you when your opponent like something really unfortunate happens to them you just act all innocent like i don't know what's happening is that bad for you and like i know you're trying to play it off like i'm sorry like i didn't know that this was screwing you over but then like like i see you look and you're like oh does that kill you because you rolled zero blocks on 11 dice i'm like you fucking know it does parker quit acting like you don't it's uh I just that's what that's it just makes it worse like you're twisting the knife like who is it bad when you don't roll any hits on 16 dice I've never experienced this like like I just want to punch you in the face I always so, feel weird I always feel weird apologizing for luck right. like it's yeah like, I think I, I, I don't feel right I don't I, I don't like apologizing when my opponent has bad luck I don't, I don't like saying I think what, I'm sorry, what man. needs to happen I don't, like, I don't, what I, everyone I, I, needs it wasn't to my hear fault. Is just your opponent acknowledge that random events occurred and just move on. Like don't yeah. don't console them. Like just like sucks, man. Move on. Like like I think that's really what most people need to hear is just like convince them to get over it. And it it's definitely frustrating in the moment. And and like you said, the correct answer is always um, don't dwell on it. Move on. And especially mm -hmm. like replace the thoughts of frustration with thoughts of logic is usually the best way to get over it. And so like. 
I would say for me, realizing that like when you come in with this really cool plan or goal to accomplish a task and some random number generation event basically cancels what you were trying to do or, or stops you from achieving your goal, try and re- like process the information in a way that is constructive. So look at what you did is like, is this the best thing I could have done? And then realizing, like, doing the math on how likely was this to occur. And if you come, it's like, well, this happens, like, 6 in 10. Like, this was a fairly likely thing that just didn't happen. And then trying to figure out if there was a better way to do it. And if there wasn't a better way to do it, accepting that there was still a 40% chance of failure and you made the right decision. Like, that's usually the best way to console me. Is knowing that it's like, even though what I tried to do failed gloriously, like wasn't even close to happening, I made the right decision. Or I are realizing that I could have made a different decision that would have been more likely to succeed or less likely to fail and would have allowed me to get further along my plan. Because I know in War Machine, when we would have this stuff happen, the answer is always there's a better option. There was always something you could have done to skew the math a little bit more in your favor. But this game doesn't have quite as many, like, little things that increase your odds of success. Like, you can't, like, knock people down, freeze them, uh, lower their defense with different abilities, and, like, increase the amount of dice you're rolling by committing resources in different places. This game is fairly static on offense and defense, and so you can't, like, easily change those numbers in, like, you could in War Machine. So I think part of it is, like, we're playing, we're coming from a game that has a lot of ability to go this is the only role i actually care about this turn i'm going to devote my entire turn's resources into making that succeed and having it be like a 98 percent chance to work and so in this game you kind of just have to accept the fact that you're going to be a much higher chance of failure when you go in for these types of maneuvers i i got an, i got a question for you jeremy uh follow up from your question actually um your question implies that there is a better way to play right or were you not attempting to apply that? Um, do you think it is better to go into this game with, you know, sunshine on your shoulders when you come in, sunshine when you leave? It didn't matter what happened. You just played. Is that the best way to play games? Or um, or or is there not a best way to play games? Or do you think the best way is, you know, a competitive, the ability to get frustrated at the game? What do you think is... I think implies, there's two it versions. It implies that you prefer I... one. I, I think that there's two versions. I think that if you're in a tournament, you have exactly the same um, number of rounds. And you, if you're playing in a tournament, I would hope that you intend on winning. That's kind of... Or, or you're, or you're going to just practice a bunch of games with people. So you play in a tournament for those reasons. That's fine. Um, and that's a, kind of a different mindset, but you still should not... You shouldn't tilt. However... Um, playing a game on game night with your friends, um, just coming in, going on tilt, feeling shitty and driving home. How do you avoid that? That's my point. That's what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, I've already gone there and I've already done that. Like I know for a fact, like I went to Brandon's house, we played three games. I went in with the mentality of I'm going to roll dice. I'm going to see what my dudes do because it's been fucking forever since I've played. And I lost a bunch of games, but it was fine. Like I was fine. It's cool. Learned a bunch of stuff. I was like, look at these guys running around. Um, I was actually going to say, just don't play the store asshole and you shouldn't have that problem. (laughs) Well, that happens too, but um, that's me by the way. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Um, 
I didn't want to go unsaid. I expected one of you guys to say no. it, but I'll say it. But then what I realized the other day when I was getting frustrated on Tabletop Simulator, the mechanics of the game plus the dice plus how long it was taking. Like, So my answer would be getting a game drug out to that length and getting punished for the amount of time that I got punished trying to learn how to use a system and then getting trapped in some horrible dice rolls. Like, it was a gambit. Like, I felt like I was getting pummeled in, like, nine different ways. Uh, so, I guess knowing ahead of time in that situation what I was in for, uh, because that that all caught me in a bad way that day. But I, I think it is. I, I think that it's possible to go into the good attitude and leave with a good attitude. And I guess my point is I know people who don't. I mean, we all know that. Like, people walk in the store, play a game, get pissed off. They leave in a shitty attitude. Um, and then that doesn't help anyone. Everyone's pissed off at that point. I, everyone knows the, the people that get upset every time they lose. And I think that's really the problem is that they have this negative correlation with losing, not even necessarily with like unfortunate events. Because I like to think that, well, I know for a fact that I lose games fairly regularly that I actually don't care that I lose at all. I get more frustrated, I think, in games that I win just because of, like, random events that occur. And so I, I hope that my opponents realize that when I do eventually get frustrated, it's not because of anything they're doing. It's just frustration with the events. It's like, oh, like, Captain America takes five damage from, like, random, like, five dice attack. I'm like, well, this shouldn't happen. Like, like the odds of this are astronomically low, especially when, you, like, you pay for your extra defense and stuff. Like, it's just, like, random unfortunate dice rolls. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, also- uh, Thanos t- Thanos took eleven damage from one attack in a game I played, and it was like obvi- I was playing against Thanos. So I was like, "Dude, I'm sorry. Like this shouldn't happen. Like the the odds of this are like almost zero. Like I'm sorry, but it happened." So how uh, do you how do you avoid even though you know, like even though you know it's a dice game, even though you know that you could drop the dice and all of them could be misses, just as easy as they are hits. Uh, how do you? stop yourself from getting like I mean irritated by that shit uh, you have to understand that sorry I was just gonna respond to Jeremy real quick I I think that you have to understand that in this game D8 specifically are really swingy and in this game with fairly low ability to modify the results of a die roll you have to just accept the fact that you're gonna roll bad ones just like you're gonna roll good ones and so console yourself with the fact that you made the right decision or spend the time to analyze the situation after the fact and figure out what the right decision was. And so, like, maybe the fact that you're getting these, like, random letdowns on dice rolls is because you're not making the best decision. Like, mm-hmm. you're not having the ability to back up your, your attack rolls with, like, throws and stuff. Like, some other way to deal additional damage to cover the difference. Or maybe you're just expecting too much out of your, your dice rolls. Um, and then, alternatively, if you don't like random chance like that screwing you play the factions and the characters and the tactics cards that let you modify the dice, like play recalibration matrix, play the book of truth, play people like captain Marvel who can reroll dice, like play inspiring monologue, like give yourself as many opportunities to succeed as possible. And then let the other things go away. Like play web warriors. Cause you can reroll your skulls, play, mm-hmm. play that kind of stuff because it, it can alleviate the random chance. Parker, I was going to say that that was my very first uh, uh, idea, which is game softeners, right? So a game softener is Mm -hmm. anything that purposely takes the edge off the game, right? It it lowers the difficulty. It makes it less 
just the raw dice or the raw chance and more under your control. Um, I, I have learned, I've played a lot more X-Wing than I have this game. And X-Wing has very similar swingy dice in it. And I have found out that mm-hmm. sometimes I'm building lists with X-Wing. I was like, oh, this looks like a really cool list with a really cool ships that I like a lot aesthetically. And then I go, delete it, because I realize the list mm-hmm. doesn't have the ability to manipulate dice enough. And I'm going to struggle if I can't manipulate dice enough. I don't need every single dice to be manipulated, but if I can't re-roll them at all, if that's not an option in my list, then I'm going to get frustrated by that. So yeah. So I, I go into the game understanding that if I pick models that I have to raw dog everything, then I'm going to get frustrated when they start to perform poorly. Um, now, the other thing I was going to suggest, which is a totally a social thing, uh, which is in a vacuum... When I'm by myself playing a solo game, if I get mad about something, I'm the only one responsible for it, and I very rarely feel embarrassed, right? So if I'm playing, you know, a a solo game like Assassin's Creed or something, and my character gets hung up on geometry and dies for some dumb reason, (laughs) I don't, I, I go, I go, God damn it, what the fuck is that? And then that's it, you know? Even though I made an exclamation, something that if I if I had an opponent, if if that dumb Templar knight was an actual person, they would have been sorry, man. I'm I know you got hung up on geometry, but I had to kill you. Like, like, but he doesn't. <laughs> well, I was right? stabbing he's you in not the hamstring. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so and so when, uh, but this is a social game, right? You have a, you have an audience, and I think one of the things that you can do, especially if you have a consistent audience with a local play group, is to have a conversation about the things that trigger you and the way that you like to be responded to. Like Brandon just now, you know, he let me know, it was a really good example, that if he, if, if we see really bad dice variants in the game, it makes him more frustrated when I don't mention it, when I don't say something about it, when I just kind of shrug. Uh, that makes him more frustrated. So if I just... And, and what he wants is me to acknowledge that it happened. I don't have to apologize, but I just have to say, yeah, that that's, that is bad dice uh, variance. And he just wants me to acknowledge that that's a thing and that it will help him deal with it in a way that won't make him more aggravated than the situ- situation already is. And so if you have the ability to talk to the people that you play with and say, you know... Uh, you don't have to outline like we're outlining now all the situations that make you frustrated, but you can say, you know, just so you know, if I get frustrated in this game, something something that might get frustrated is the dice. If you could just acknowledge, if you acknowledge that my that the dice are going uh, really against me, that just helps me. If you just said that out loud, that will that will do a big favor for your opponent because they're they're more likely to understand what's going on in the game, and I I don't. Because I don't think it's responsible for everybody to go like, I'm just going to be happy-go-lucky person all the time. It's an emotional response. Of course you can modify your behaviors. And while all of us here at this podcast could get negative, I have personally never thrown a model. I've never thrown a dice. I have scraped my fingernails across a sand gravel board before. That's happened. Uh, and that was just, that was that I, was. We uh, need to talk about this because I remember exactly where we were, and I was standing in front of you when this happened. Uh, I don't believe Jeremy was there. You were playing against Ryan from St. Joe. I was playing Ryan Guyler, and, and the perfect person to have this Signar, happen to, by the way. Exactly, because Ryan's such a nice guy. Like yeah. he'll never ever say anything mean to somebody. Yeah. And he's you're playing you're playing Signar versus his trolls, and I think this this one rune shaper made seven consecutive tough rolls. 
And so if anybody's not familiar, toughest rule in War Machine, you roll a d6 on a 5 or a 6, you just don't die. And instead, you have one hit point left. And basically, he needed to clear this one secure objective. And there was one guy, one little cheap model standing in his way. And he was like, all right, I kill him. Uh, tough. I kill him. Tough. Seven times he toughed. Parker drops the dice in his hands, makes claw fists like bare hands over his head, slams them into the table, and just rakes lines, literally a foot of ten lines from his nails on the table, just scraping. And then he like rolls his neck and is like, this guy's going to attack him, and just rolls it. Like, he's just moved fat. He just, like, deleted the last ten minutes from his thoughts and just kept going. But he was still so angry. I don't think I've ever seen Parker that mad in my entire life. <laughs> oh, that was so... Oh boy. That was so... That was so frustrating. That, But, you know... It, Ryan just turned and looked at me like, holy shit, this guy's crazy. <laughs> Uh, by the way, I almost shit my pants. By the way, it was a just so you know the table was not a flat tabletop, and it was not uh, it was not uh, a soft uh, like a mouse board. It was a foam like that someone had sand and glue. Yeah, yeah. it was it was sand, and somebody had poured sand all over it so they could make a texture for it. So it was mm-hmm. it was I had just I had just gave myself basically filed all of my nails at the same time on a foam board of of, of sand, and I, that was. That was one of those moments that you know you can you can lose it and you can have bad behaviors. But I'm not I'm not proud of having a uh, of of you know struggling with my behaviors at that moment. I was embarrassed by that, but I don't know if I can be embarrassed by every single time I've gotten frustrated. I don't think it's I don't think it's necessary to avoid frustration in your life. I don't think that's something you have to do. I think it is something you should try to uh, uh, make sure that your behaviors are not affecting the uh, you know your ability to be okay around others. So. Uh, that that's my example of the time that I let I let go and I had I felt like I had to do something physical to deal with my stress, but I didn't destroy anything. I just I just did it that way. But yeah, um, I know rega- like specifically like Jake, uh, one of our locals, um, went from playing War Machine back to playing X Wing after not playing X Wing for a while, and he just couldn't handle it. The amount of dice variance compared to War Machine, he literally could not handle it. And like quit X Wing because he went from a game where you have such a huge control over the outcome of dice rolls to none. Like the ability to re roll multiple times to modify your target number. Because like you're rolling 2d6 needing a 7. Well, then this ability lets you only need a 5 instead of a 7. This ability lets you re roll your dice. This ability gives you an extra die to hit. And so like you're success- succeeding on like 97, 98% of your attack rolls. And then going to a game where you can do zero multiple attacks in a row that are quality attacks. You have to understand that in these D8-based games from Asmodee, it's not about one quality attack. It's about multiple consistently average attacks. Because eventually, your opponent's going to blank out on their defense, and that's when your damage is going to come from. It's not actually from you rolling high hits, usually. Like, that can happen, but either the ability for you to spike very high with criticals, or your opponent rolling inconsistently low defense dice is where your damage comes from. And so you'll hit those times where you roll average and your opponent rolls high. Even on a quality attack, you do like zero to two damage. And you're like, you feel like that was a failure, but then you'll go and strike someone for five dice and do four damage. And you're like, well, it's hard to remember that that happened later on. And so 
just understanding that the whole way that you get damage in this game is different. Because in games like War Machine, where it's like, well, I'm rolling 2d6 and my opponent's armor is 10 higher than my strength. So I'm just taking 10 off the roll. And so unless you roll an 11, you're doing zero. And so in that game, quality attacks is where all of your damage comes from. Like being able to roll attacks, they're doing damage equal to your roll or damage higher than your roll. It's like I roll seven, I do 10 damage. Like those are your quality attacks in War Machine. But in this game, any attack can do damage and any attack can do a lot of damage. And then sometimes your good attacks won't do any damage. And so just moving on to that concept is really difficult for people that are accustomed to something else. It's like going from playing with mouse and keyboard to a controller. You feel like you have very little control, but you just need to adjust to it. Okay, everyone be nice. That's that's the takeaway. Nice. And be fucking nice. Realize or, that your opponent has probably done nothing to deserve your frustration. Exactly. Yeah, or just just communicate, right? The worst the worst thing I think you could do, and I think the the, the worst case scenario is when a when a person uh, loses control of their ability to modulate their behaviors because of their frustration, because frustration happens in a game based on variance. So you get frustrated, you you do a behavior, and then you just run away. Like those, that's the worst case scenarios when somebody like loses their loses you know their mind for a moment, you know has a really f- a frustrated behavior, and then just goes I'm out and just walks away and is never able to resolve that. And that's to me that's the worst because then I. I never found out if it was something I did. It's the worst version of that, putting your frustration of the game onto your opponent. Now your opponent has no choice but to own all of that negativity. Um, so just be willing to, to talk to people, being willing to keep going. Don't give up as soon as you get frustrated with the game and also with your interaction with others. I just never want to you know, be that guy. I, I guess that's my entire point. Like, how do you not be that guy? I, I never want a game to end and then my opponent go and talk to his friends about that asshole he played. Um, in truth, it never happens. I'm always friends with everybody at tournaments and stuff. It's all cool. But, I mean, you do have those moments where you're like, oh, shit, I did get a little pissed right there. and You know, maybe maybe a little much. But I, I think communication's key there and make sure you're acknowledging, whoa, you know, went a little tilted. <laughs> Just acknowledging it, you know? All right. I think that's going to wrap up our uh, don't get tilted segment. Honestly, I don't think a lot of people get tilted in games, but I I know it's happened, so it's always good to talk about. And some people that are playing Marvel are new to tabletop games because, you know, Marvel's a really cool license, and so having a Mantras game finally is pretty cool. Um, Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about today? Captain Marvel is... is, uh, Not any good. We're... Not any good. <laughs> Not any good. Not Captain Marvel twenty twenty one. Captain Captain Marvel, greatest greatest care of the world. Captain Marvel going to carry us to six seasons. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel's great. Photon is not a power. It's just a light source. <laughs> <laughs> it's a particle and a wave. It's just a fucking light. Okay, you can't do shit with it. Leave it alone. <laughs> God. <laughs> I guess nobody can hear it, but I'm shaking my head slowly. <laughs> Ten- no one tenderly. in space, no one can hear you shake your head slowly. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening today, guys. This has been Brandon. And Parker. Captain Marvel. <laughs> and this has been Earth's Mightiest Podcast. 
Jeremy, have you been building any lists or anything? No, I haven't done anything. I just got my ass okay. kicked at work for three weeks, and now I'm done. I get back into it. We play a game tomorrow. Cool. I want to play this criminalist eventually, but I've eventually. also been. I've also been. It's just been hammered at work. I've been. I've been working. So I've, every single weekend, I've been working at least like twenty hours over the weekend, keeping up with this stuff. I've been working less than normal, but somehow I'm still busy. Thanks, COVID. Like this. This week feels busier than the previous weeks, yet I have worked the fewest hours this week probably all, all year. All right, I think we got everything. We should have gone to the bathroom or anything. Do you guys need water or anything? I'm good to go. Nope. Bathroom breaks. You guys all good? I'm good. All right. Well, I'm going to go to the bathroom. You guys talk amongst yourselves. Well, if he's going to uh, go to the bathroom, I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, no. I see Parker didn't last very long. No. I bought a candle today for the first time in my life. Um, have you told your roommates that you're gay? You're like, no. It's just a plain white stock candle Yeah, that's odorless. But uh, I bought it for uh, conversions because I'm going to do a magneto diorama. And so I want to do a lot of like bent and twisted metal. And so I'm going to use the candle to bend the plastic. Yeah. Yeah, just gotta watch and that. It, taking... gets, it goes, it goes fast. It, no, I know you got. It's a thin line. I did the, <laughs> the metal stuff on the Moz base. Like I've mm -hmm. done it before. I think I've had good results. Yeah, the trick is don't overdo it, and because you got to get it hot enough to bend, but not hot enough to melt. Yeah, it's like that. Which is why the candle helps. Because if you're trying to do it with like a lighter, one hand is just doing the heat, the other hand you can't really mm -hmm. bend it, and so you have to put the lighter down. By the time you grab it, it's set again and so the candle is a constant heat source that you can yeah. use with both hands most of the time i find hot water is the best way to go that way you don't destroy anything oh i don't think i can get water hot enough oh really to uh yeah like well because i like a lot of the stuff i have is like it's not just like little bends like i know mm -hmm. you do little bends but i'm bending like half inch solid plastic that's like looks like an i-beam yeah it's so like i need to bend and twist that and like you can't Got do it. that with like 300 degree water i used to just use a keurig we had a keurig down here and i would just pop keurig water in and that's how i would bend all my yeah models. yeah all right parker i see that you're back and you totally did need to go to the bathroom i mean i i, I was physically capable yes <laughs> he's podcasting we had to stop the podcast so parker could go to the bathroom mm. writing it down you did it. Do we have anything we want to talk about before we get started? I don't think no, so. I think we're good. All Just right. Haven't cool. played. Confirming you guys are actually recording. Yep. Recording away. I've been podcasting this whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of new art on these X-Men cards. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. I actually like. The art on Magnetic Crush is not as cool as I wanted it to be, but it is cool art. It just doesn't make sense. How many people do you think are actually working on this game? Like, like uh, a team of six? Like absolutely everyone? Like counting everybody or like just like the actual like uh, designer staff? Well, I mean, like there's a lot of cool stuff going on for sure. And it seems like it's a small team of people. But I mean, there's a lot of things happening. A lot of art and a lot of... A lot of stuff. I think all the art and stuff is handled by Asmodee because they have the copyright. Yeah. 
but I'm not 100%. I don't know who does all the art. I assumed that a lot of the art was just copied over from like comic book stuff. Like they basically just uh-huh. have access to like Marvel's like image database and they're like, "Hey, look at all this stuff we can put on cards." True. But I mean at the same time maybe not. All right, here we go. <sighs> I like that. <laughs> okay, so now that that's over with, um I've been looking at Ultron's card for the past 20 minutes. Why the fuck would you ever make a strike attack with this model? <laughs> you don't. Yeah. You don't. Ever. Yeah, so energy. But why is it on his card? Like, it's objectively horrible. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. It's worse than Black Widow Strike. <laughs> it literally is. Look at the cards. It's, it's worse, worse than, than a Black gun? Widow's attack. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Strike is range 2, 4 dice, 0 cost, gain 1 power. Energy Blast is range 4, 5 dice, energy, cost 0, and gain power equal to damage. The only time you would ever make a Strike is if you're like, well, I literally just need 1 power off of this attack so I can use my Kinetic Field Generator ability. Yeah, like, yeah if you wanted to be like, sure. If you literally like, I need 1 power and no other reason am I making this attack. Which does happen, especially, especially with now that we've established that energy is objectively better than physical. Because there's only one character in the game where you'd rather have physical than energy. But I mean, if you need one power, that's how you do it. I mean, that's the only time you'd use it, and that's useful. I mean, that's a thing. It's terrible. It's a thing. Who's the one character? Is it Modok? Is Modok the only character you'd rather have physical? Captain Marvel. Oh, she I needs guess to be punched. Of. She needs to be punched in the tit. No, well, she has a higher energy <laughs> right. than physical, and, and she and has energy ability. absorption. And the ability, yeah. yeah. Don't be dumb, Bart. We literally just talked about this. What, what's the character that's good against energy? <laughs> he said. I hate you as a person. <laughs> he said. He said not understanding. <laughs> but why? But, but. Oh, okay, fuck. Uh, we missed an opportunity. Remember? We could have called it Crybaby Corner. It could be a what? corner. Another what's corner. What's Crybaby Corner? Oh, another corner. We could have got the corner. We we already have eight fucking corners. We're already a box. There's Captain Marvel corner. That's Captain Corner. Captain Marvel corner. Captain Corner. Jesus. All of you. Trapped in a box of emotion. (laughs) Trapped in a steel box. I'm in a glass case of emotion. (laughs) Just just listen for one second. Oh my god. Ah. This is the man with a burrito. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Chuck Baxter. And he. uh, ah. It's like, are you yelling? I didn't understand one word you just said. (laughs) So good. She's gotta read the news! Proceeds to sprint across the entire city. <laughs> I like how he like. Why didn't he drive back? His car was right there. <laughs> like he just uh-huh. decided to run to the news studio instead of drive. I always picture him hitting that like split second shot of him body, uh, just body checking that person, and like groceries fly everywhere. It's like yeah. boom. <laughs> mm. uh. Good lord, we kept it like at two hours. Oh boy, well done. I know. I we was actually could have been done. That... We could have been done like an hour and a half, but we kept going. I know, but like I actually wanted to go to two hours, and so after it cuts, this should be right around two. Oh shit! I didn't put down the end time. I actually okay two. 
We need to clap. We need to clap. We're not. We clap at the end. Oh. Okay. The end. And, and now it's the end. So you plan? You're working at the store tomorrow, right? Yes. Yeah, I'll be there. And I, I don't have a Pathfinder, so I'll be free to the evening. Because normally we start playing Pathfinder like around seven or eight. Well, I, I have to go pick up my kids at like uh, early, so I can't, I can't be out there late. Dumb, dumb. I mean, I, what's wrong if they have to walk home once? What's the problem? I mean, that's not a. <laughs> Jeremy's like, uh, they're not twenty. They're <laughs> like, that's the problem. I mean, they are twins. They'll take care of each other, but I don't know for how long. Yeah. I like to imagine that Jeremy's just breeding his kids to be like in the Shining Two or something. Like he's just got two like creepy children just hanging out in hallways. Mm-hmm. Come play with us, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. That's no. Actually, you're not invited to play with them. They won't. They don't do it that way. They they play. <laughs> that's, not they, that's not how they roll. No, they have their own team. You're not really on it. Hey, uh, Parker, since you have an advanced degree in uh, Microsoft Word, how do I make it to where what's on a page stays there, regardless of like what's before it? So like on this page here, the word announcements, uh-huh. I want it to stay right there. I don't want it to move. If like I delete or add lines above it, how do I do that? Kind of like lock it. You in don't place. want it to move. Yeah, because like if I put another line on the page before it, it moves down. Right. If I delete a line, it moves back. I don't want that to oh, happen. Oh, okay. Stay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want that to be like a separate page from the other document. Oh, almost. I don't know if you can do. I can make the word announcements hang there forever. I don't know if I can't make the text. Can you make everything below it hang there? Like yes. announcements and everything below it. I don't know if I can make that much. Uh, there's basically you can make you can make like a header on each page that won't move regardless of what you know is underneath it, but I do not know if that much text can fit in a header. I'll see. Will Will it hold this stuff in place below it though? Will the header hold the stuff below it? No. Like I can make the word announcements permanently on this page regardless of what happens to the rest of the document, but that sounds not very useful. Well, the, the problem I mean, is it's a text document, right? It's it it assumes that you want to continue to put things in. Why is um, Brian calling me? Hold on a second. Hello. First. Um I don't know that there is a first. I can look it up in the rule book. Just a second. Yeah, I'm putting it on speaker. Don't make a bunch of weird noises. Alright, rules. Rule book. Um throwing a character, page seventeen. Throwing a character, a character performs a throw positions. A thrown character must move along the movement tool. A thrown character collides with terrain feature, suffers one damage. A thrown character collides with another character, suffers one damage. The other character makes a dodge roll. I would. Uh, the thrown character. Can you hear me? The thrown character takes one, and then the dodge roll is made. Yeah. You're right, his token for. Because he's dazed when it happens. Yeah. Okay. People are calling me during the podcast for Marvel Rules. <laughs> That's perfect. You're important. Yeah, I know, right? I'm like a big deal in my local meta. Mm-hmm. That's what they say. Okay, so I need I need your guys' opinion for my Magneto diorama. Because obviously it's going to be badass and awesome. But I have basically three options I can do. 
Um, so one is just basically Magneto in a fishbowl. And so it's just be Magneto standing in place with all this metal floating around him, which is kind of like a, an ominous pose, right? Basically like he's doing his um, magnetic reflect ability, the card, magnetic reflection. That's, okay. a really, yeah, that's a really common, awesome, like, panels of him is, is like that, yeah. Right, where he's just sitting there, like, ominously, like, shit's floating around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so two is he is, like, in a pose, like, holding his hands above his head and... Uh, he's collected this giant ball of metal and tightly packed into like this giant asteroid of metal. And he's about to throw it at somebody. Or three, he's standing there kind of in his normal pose where he's got one hand extended like he's making, he's slowly crushing something with his fist. And then away from him, there is a character standing, like a, a, a an enemy character standing there. And there's a bunch of metal like being pulled towards him like the center of a black hole. And so it's like basically forming around him into like a, a coffin and it's about to crush them. So those are the three options I have come up with so far. Where will Toad be? Inside the metal ball. Toad will be crushed. still in my garbage can because <laughs> I already threw him away. Okay, and then... Okay, so Toad. It's okay though, because when I buy when I buy a second Magneto, I'll have a Toad from that box that I might also throw away. <laughs> uh, no, I actually like like I like the concept that Mystique and Toad are very scenario oriented, uh-huh. and um, obviously Sabretooth and Magneto are very combat oriented. And then so I think obviously Quicksilver and Juggernaut are going to keep filling that one of each type role, and then Scarlet Witch will probably be a, like a wild card. And so I think you'll be able to play very scenario oriented or very combat oriented, depending on what your play style is in Brotherhood. Yeah. And that um, kind of like how Criminal Syndicate and Cabal are basically the same faction. They just do things differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the giant asteroid above his head kind of deal. You like that? Mm-hmm. The only problem I have with that is what's going to support the ball of metal, but I can kind of figure that out later. Uh, Toad can hold it, like he'll be leaping. Toad's like he'll be leaping and carrying it. Parker, what's your thought for what? God damn it! What we've <laughs> oh, been oh, talking oh, oh, about? Was it, sorry, Jesus Christ! <laughs> sorry, I was staring at this. I was trying to fix your problem on this doc. Um, okay. No, uh, I heard your three ideas, and uh, Magneto crushes somebody in a in a lump of metal is a really like badass thing he's done a couple times in the comics. Um, but I love the just floating shit around him image. I love that. I, that that's the one I would go with because as a it, as a static diorama, I think it's gonna be super cool. If you want to go with like sinister, super badass thing, then then the one where he's about to crush somebody, that's cool. But honestly, I love the the just the shit floating around him. That look. I think you should go next level. So you're saying I have to buy option four? Option four? No, no, no. He's ripping Wolverine's skeleton out. That yeah, would be sweet. Yeah, that's that's a really that's a really that's a cool standard. Thing. Yeah, ever, ever, that that image. Is... But that means I have to buy another Wolverine. Okay. Or Jeremy, just give me your Wolverine, and then I'll do it. I'll do that. But first, you destroy yours, and then I will give you mine. I won't. <laughs> just destroy yours, then I'll give you mine. And I will give you mine, Jeremy. I will trade you. I will trade you one Carnivian of Everblight for one Wolverine. <laughs> no, <laughs> sound I, like an even trade. I will trade you all of my Everblight for one Wolverine. 
That's still a bad trade. I'd do that trade. I'd do that trade. Uh, all my Wolver- all my Everblight's packed up right here on this table. <laughs> <laughs> trade you straight up, dog. Seems like you're going to have to figure out what Parker, you want to do. Uh, well, I'm going to say I have two people's opinions, and so far I have one vote for all three. So that's very useful. <laughs> Good. We're glad we can help. I pre- Yeah, I appreciate your guys' support. Which one did you oh, like, Brandon? Please. I mean, Jeremy, which one did you like? No, because Jeremy, Jeremy liked number two, and you like numbers one and three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, I was leaning the most towards option three, probably. Option two is really cool, but I think it, it creates a lot more modeling problems than it's worth. Like, it's a cool scene, but I think it's the hardest to pull off of the three. Um, because jamming a bunch of stuff into a tight ball that's like different things is actually kind of hard. So I either shortcut it and do a lot of putty and then jam shit into the putty, which basically has to be all small things, or I actually have to find a way to collapse all of these items into small points, which I basically went to Max and Brian because they both don't place a lot. And when we play, it's usually like me bringing the train. And so I'm like, hey, give me all the train you don't absolutely need. And so I have like two extra dumpsters, an extra car, and like, a bunch of like light poles and stuff that like they they gave me, and so I'm going to use all of that as like like loose metal stuff in addition to all the stuff Magneto comes with, and then uh, I got Brian's extra truck back, so like the garbage truck section, and then I have an extra garbage truck and an extra tanker truck section, and so I'm going to try and like incorporate those into like the diorama somehow. It seems like you have it figured out. Oh, I just don't know what I want to do yet. I know I have the supplies because I've been stocking up on like like small metal like plastic <laughs> for a while now. So, mm-hmm. not to mention like all the stuff I have for like my forty k bits. And I do think there needs to be a Carnivian floating around as well. Just, just one Carnivian, just, just, just orbiting. <laughs> Sweet. Maybe I'll use the little mini juggernaut from my painter Thagrosh, and I'll put it in there. Just one little Aww. mini juggernaut floating around. <laughs> Cute. And it'll make sense because he's the juggernaut. Oh my god. <laughs> Alright, we need to wrap it up. I've been up for a lot of hours. I only sleep like six hours a day. Alright. Hey, uh, Parker, no uh, pressure on what you're doing there, but uh, if you can't figure that out, you're fired. I did it. And by that, I mean I'm going to call your work and get you fired. I just did it. Okay, good. What did you do? I can't click on anything. What do you mean you can't click on anything? I can't click on this stuff. Yeah, you told me to put it's... it up there. Now it's there forever. But I can't type like stuff under announcements. Wait, what? <sighs> what? You want to be you want it to be editable? Yes. <laughs> so you want me to make a permanent word that never moves regardless of where it is on the dock. But I want a text box under it to type in. Yeah. Teddy fucking Christ. Um all right, let's go and wrap up the podcast. Then you can spend the next six hours fixing that. What, so, <laughs> what's, so what's the rest of this thing for? What's the rest of this for? What is this what page for? 